0: And we'll prove it with our full time employed background checked movers. We're local and affordable, and we can help at a price that won't make you wish you'd done it on your own. For home and business moving, call the Movers Who Care. Two men and a truck. 405 708 7707.
1: When we look back, let's be proud of what we've become stronger and wiser, more caring and patient more prepared, and more resilient than ever before. At First United Bank, we're here to help make sure that when we look back, we'll see that we not only survived, but that we're ready to thrive. And that's something we can all look forward to. Wake up with Toby Roland. Not much to talk about. We'll figure out a way to cobble our way through three
2: hours. And TJ Perry. What a bomb. What a complete bomb. The T-Row in the morning show. It's what a sports show sounds like when people remember to have fun. Kevin and I always sit by each other in the bus. And I was like, what would you do today? And he
1: goes, well, you're going to make fun of me, but I went and got a pedicure. (laughs) The funniest thing about Kevin is... All of these oddities that we enjoy so much about him, Uh, he looks at you like he's shocked and amazed that you don't do the same thing. He's just stunned. You don't go get pedicures on the road? What?
2: (laughs) (laughs) How's that possible?
1: My man, he's the gift that keeps on giving.
2: T-Row and TJ on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network.
0: Hi, this is Tony Walden from Walden Cleaners. At Walden Cleaners, we know laundry and dry cleaning, but there are times when we need help with projects around Walden's. That's when I turn to our trusted partners, Cavens Maintenance. We have trusted Gary and his staff to come in and help with drywall repair, painting, plumbing, snow removal, and that's not all. We trust Cavens Maintenance and staff, and you should too. So if you're in need, do what we do at Walden's. But the professionals at Cavens go to work for you. 405-573-3048. Oklahoma Women's Gymnastics is back home to compete in the LNC one final time this season. Join us on Friday, March 4th at 7.45 p.m. as they take on the University of Michigan in a highly anticipated rematch of the 2021 National Championship. Discounted tickets for groups of 10 or more are available all season long. For tickets and more information, visit Soonersports.com slash tickets. Boomer Sooner. It's time
2: for The Steelman and Thune at Noon with Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hit the guys up on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma, Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000 or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune.
3: Way before noon. How's everybody doing? We're in uh, for Chris Plank and Josh Shelmer today in for the Plank Show. So uh, Chris is going to be on. They're going to be on from uh, 12 to about 2.30 today. Uh, getting you ready for that big gymnastics matchup between one versus two coming up Friday night at the LNC. Number one, Michigan uh, coming to Norman to take on the second-ranked Sooners and K.J. Kindler, 745,
0: and ESPN2 will telecast that event. That's going to be huge. I wonder <laughs> I wonder if there was anyone tuning in for the very first time just a couple of minutes ago, and they heard the intro hit and were like, Oh my goodness, are, the, are these guys broadcasting from Bermuda or something? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it
3: does sound a little bit different when you say it's noon and it's 9 a.m. But, <laughs> hey, hey, that's uh, that's how we roll. Uh, I do want to mention the uh, great sponsors here on the Plank Show, the hourly sponsors. Uh, the first hour presented by Van Hoos Fence. Van Hoos Fence, give them a call at 405-735-1167 or at vhfence.com online. Get your fencing needs taken care of through the Premier Fence Company in Oklahoma. They'll give you a free estimate. Customer satisfaction is their top priority priority. Get your fence back in shape before summer gets here at Van Hoos Fence. All right, uh, it's kind of weird today in terms of what you lead with. The OU women won Bedlam last night, 79-76. to 76. The Thunder surprised Denver. Now, I know Denver's been without Jamal Murray forever. They've been uh, without Michael Porter Jr., but they still have Nikola Jokic. And uh, Oklahoma, City, Oklahoma City was playing in Denver last night, and they got a great game again from SGA. They got a tremendous game from Isaiah Roby, career-high for the Nebraska Cornhusker, 26 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals, and 4 of 5 from 3-point range. That is phenomenal. So they win that game in Denver last night. Josh Giddy still out with a hip injury. So uh, we could talk a little Thunder basketball. Uh, you've got a lot of things happening. This Tiger Phil with the Player Improvement Program Award going to Tiger. And $8 million going to Tiger. And Tiger trolling. Lefty
0: on Twitter was really cool. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. What you don't see is Steely sitting here in studio with his Tiger Woods hat on.
3: Oh, Tiger's been my man crush for a long time, and uh, you know I'm forgiving him for his past transgressions, and there have been many of those. But... Oh, you think
0: you think you could ever get to that place with Mule Shoe?
3: Uh it's going to take a long time, man. It's going to take at least a decade. At least a decade. But I'm, I'm on the road. I blocked him on Twitter, so at least I'm on the path to recovery there. I admit it's been pretty bad. you got OU Baseball playing this big uh, event in Houston at Minute Maid Park this weekend. They have LSU Friday, UCLA Saturday, Tennessee on Sunday. Uh, Sooner basketball team back in action at Kansas State this weekend. Final weekend of conference play. We could get into that. But it's always the best bet to start with Oklahoma football. Always. Always. And I was wondering, uh, Parker, this spring football, and uh, what is the date now, March 22nd, correct? That is the date. OU. Is this the most anticipated spring football session forever? And, you know, that we can ever remember at Oklahoma with the transition, Sooner fans starved to see anything happen because they're tired of talking about what happened on Sunday, Bloody Sunday. They're tired of seeing... You know, Caleb Williams go to Southern Cal and uh, Mario Williams go to Southern Cal and Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon go to Southern Cal Uh, when they were in the Sooners 2023 recruiting class. They want to see, you know, it's not like they can go spy on the Jerry Schmidt workouts, but uh, we'll get a little taste with spring football. And you've got the assistant coaches press conference today happening that you were telling me about. So I think Sooner fans are just ready to see some form of OU football
0: right and there's no doubt for it no doubt and i i would agree with you mike i think this is probably in my lifetime at least the most anticipated spring football season for oklahoma and a lot of that i think has to do with how eager this fan base is to watch brent venables and their team prove the nation wrong because what everybody's upset about at this point I don't know that it's even primarily the fact that Muleshoe left the way he did. I think it's the fact that the the overarching narrative surrounding this football program in the eyes of the national media is that Oklahoma's going to take a significant step back, and it's going to be several years before they're back to where they were. It's the lack
3: of respect, almost the dismissal of Oklahoma's football stature. Right. And Brent Venables. Yes. Too. And, you know, you've got some people saying, well, you know, Brent Venables, which I don't know, man. Somebody said that he was, uh, who was it? Was it Cowherd? Uh, one of the national guys said that there wasn't a lot of sizzle there, basically. Have you seen Brent Venables speak? Do you think he lacks passion in any respects? <laughs> I don't think so. Now, he's not going to do the crazy stuff on social media like Lane Kiffin or something like that, but he is not lacking for passion or energy. There is no doubt about it. But, again, it's almost like these people don't realize that Oklahoma, you know, has been one of the top five college football programs in history, and some would argue, number one, you know, we've looked back at some of these lists that have been out over the last decade or so, and there's no doubt that Alabama's at the top of the mountain now. We know that. They're at the summit of Everest, but the Sooners are right there still. And I think OU fans are tired of hearing that. I'm with you. I think initially the anger was... Man, we didn't know this guy. We thought he was locked in with us. We thought if he was going anywhere, it would be the NFL. And that was it. Not for another college job. There's no way there's not a better college job than Oklahoma. That's the way Sooner fans feel anyway. Uh, and then once that subsided, it was, yes, the the thing you're talking about, Parker, the national narrative that, man, Oklahoma's in trouble and wait till they get to the SEC, you know. It's it's like they they're they're picturing OU as Pee-Wee Herman. Going in, uh, you know, going down the street and being bullied by all these schools in the SEC. At, You know, look, they're not at Alabama's level right now. They're not at Georgia's level right now. But Oklahoma, they get their act together, and I think they will. They're going to be fine in the SEC.
0: And people act as though, since Oklahoma hasn't won a national title since 2000, oh, you know, they've fallen upon hard times recently. They're not where they once were as a program. Really? Over the past two decades, Oklahoma, I think there's a legitimate argument that they've nonetheless, national title or no national title, been one of the top five most successful programs in the nation. Yeah, you
3: saw saw that uh, graphic that I can't remember who tweeted it out over the weekend that they had the tiers over the last, I think they went back, uh, was it the last 10 or 15 years in the top five? Tier one was Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio State. So the Sooners, again, uh, it's going to be different. It's going to be a rockier, more competitive road in the Southeastern Conference. And by the way, did you see uh, it was the Brian Davis story, right, that said the Sooners in Texas will not get there before 2024 and uh, that they're trying to figure out, and I think mainly Oklahoma trying to figure out financially the best way to get there. One of the craziest things, again, and I think we talked about this, the uh, crazy stuff that you saw on Twitter in the last year, Because this was, without a doubt, Parker, I think, the most volatile, crazy year in the history of Oklahoma football. When you consider, before we even kicked off, it was Oklahoma, Texas to the SEC. And we thought, man, what could be bigger than that? Nothing. And then Muleshoe pulls up his stakes and heads out to California and things got even crazier. You had Bob Stoops coming back as an interim coach. You got Brent Venables hired. You've got all these... You know, the crazy LSU rumors, it was crazy all year long. And then Sooner fans wondering throughout the season, what's going on with this football team? There's something that's not quite right. So that's why I think they, they are starved to see workouts. Obviously, you're not going to get in the weight room or go see Jerry Schmidt put those guys through the drills. But anything they can see spring football-wise, video-wise, can't wait to get to the
0: spring game. They're ready. They're ready. Air Comfort Solutions Text Line, Clearwater Sooner, says only one Power Five program has not had a losing season this century. You want to guess?
3: This uh yeah, I, I think he's probably talking about Oklahoma, right? <laughs> that would yeah. be correct. He, what, he is Clearwater Sooner, after all, right? Yes. So yeah, and um, look, let's let's not kid ourselves again. Uh, Oklahoma fans, you're gonna have to be. Uh, getting accustomed to you know a three-loss season here, maybe a four-loss season, maybe even a five if you have a bad year in the Southeastern Conference. What you need to happen, you uh, need to see that playoff eventually get to eight teams or 12. That helps you because you know the SEC is going to get the lion's share of the teams in there. Uh, but until then, just know that you're going to be playing uh, the better competition and once you get to a playoff matchup, you are going to be so much better prepared than you were previously.
0: Yeah, know? there's there's a lot of give and take there. Because like you said, that's one thing that people are gonna have to get used to. While a down year in the Big Twelve is two or three losses, a down year in the SEC might be four or five. And that's not gonna look as nice, particularly to a lot of folks who are <laughs> are casuals, you might say, and only really pay attention to the win loss record at the end of the season and don't watch the games scrupulously. So I think when you look at a pro a comparable program in the SEC in terms of their success over the last couple of decades, a team like LSU, right? that's a team that they may win double-digit games one year, but guess what? The next year, a couple of those close games that they win one year, maybe they go to Auburn and end up on the wrong end of a close one there, or they head up to Arkansas and get toppled in that one. And it's just... It's a couple of those outcomes where one year they might go in your favor, one year they might go in the other team's favor, and that can be the razor's edge between an 11- or 12-win season and an 8-win season.
3: The bottom line is Oklahoma fans are starved to win another national championship. It's way too long at Oklahoma to wait 22 years or more to win another national championship. But, uh, I, you know, I'm bad analogy guy, and I've said, you know, you can go out and shoot 70 at your local Muni, uh, you know, time after time, or you could go out and shoot 70 at Southern Hills or the National over at Oak Tree. And guess what? When you get on a tougher course and have to really play a very difficult course, like with a U.S. open setup, if you're playing the National and Southern Hills, you're going to be prepared. Not if you're shooting 70 at your Muni, right? And the Big 12's a little bit like the municipal golf course.
0: And some people are, some people would rather go shoot 70 at the Muni. Yeah. And that's fine. Joe Castiglione's not one of those people. No, and uh, Oklahoma State might be the new uh, king of uh, Westwood
3: Park, you know. Uh, <laughs> and no, apologies to Westwood. It's a fine track, uh, and they do a great job over there. I played it many times as a kid, of course, but you know what I'm talking about. All right, we have uh, guests galore today. We do. We have uh, coming up, Joe Bettner, Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner Football newsletter coming up next. We also have John Hamm, Thunder Insider, to talk a little Oklahoma City basketball. Big win for OKC in the Mile High City against Denver last night. Colby Powell, 73rd Hole Podcast. we got to talk for a few minutes about this Tiger-Phil deal, which was so good yesterday. And then coming up at 1120, uh, the uh, outstanding Sooner beat writer, Eric Bailey from the Tulsa World. By the way... Jason Kersey announcing on Twitter he is leaving the athletic and he's going to pursue a law degrees, going to law school. Jason, man, all the best. You've done a tremendous job over the years. Great writer, really good guy, frequent guest here on The Ref and other radio shows, and just an all around good, uh, good human being and a fabulous writer. He'll do great in law school because he does very well at whatever he does. All right, so congrats, Jason. We'll be right back with Joe Bettner next here on The Ref. Joe Bedner, he is the man at Eyes of Oklahoma Sooner Football newsletter, joining us on the law offices of Rod Polson, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. you got Steelman and Thune. Plank is going to be on today. Plank and Josh Helmer on the Plank Show uh, at noon to about 1230. Uh, Plank is going to be out there with K.J. Kendler and the Oklahoma Women's Gymnastics team uh, as they go through workouts in preparation for this 1-2 shootout with Michigan coming up on Friday night, 745 at the LNC. It'll be televised on ESPN two, so we kind of flipped uh, shows today. So you got me, Mike Steely, along with Parker Thune, and uh, the Plank Show will be on at noon today, right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Joe Bettner, how are you? I'm doing good. I mean, it's really early. I, I don't know what to do with myself right now, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a change, and I was in here at uh, just after seven a.m. rather than my normal about nine fifteen a.m. But I, for me, I, I'm so ridiculous. I, I used to wake up all the time at two thirty a.m. and I've, I've I've pushed it back to about four fifteen a.m. But and I always set my alarm for like five fifteen but I never make it. So that's just the way I've been conditioned over the years, doing morning radio for so long. All right, uh, Parker and I were talking about spring football, March 22nd. You've got the assistant coaches with a prester today at OU uh, getting ready for spring football to start here. Um, we were we were thinking this is the most anticipated spring in a long, long time because of the coaching change and, you know, all this narrative on Oklahoma and, uh, how far the Sooners going to fall or slip, you know, on the national scene? What do you think about, uh, you know, framing this spring football session for OU in terms of how important it is and how meaningful this is to the fan base? I
4: mean, that's a, it's a huge one. I, I mean, I know this is not a novel idea, but I mean, I, I would imagine that the spring game will be. I mean, I, I think I, I, I like. I'm cautious to like say that it'll be a sellout, but like that's just kind of the vibe I get. It's just the fan base is reinvigorated and you, you would imagine that when that spring game comes around that they'll, they will 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 they get close to 80,000 if not, you know, get the full capacity in there. So it's exciting, but I mean, this is a big spring for Oklahoma football. I mean, you know, you you look at some of the stuff that's happened over recent years, especially with the COVID pandemic and just kind of how coaching carousel works, you know, Oklahoma's in a really good position because they were able to get someone so quickly Especially as high-profile as Brett Venables. but this is an important spring for the program to establish that culture. I think that it's, you're already seeing it changing. Um, I mean, the the thing that I'm just most you know excited to see probably is just how quickly can Jerry Schmidt transform you know the physicality of this team? Can it look like a Brett Venables defense in year one? Uh, kind of like what we saw in Clemson. So this is a big one for Oklahoma. And uh, I mean, it, it's probably, like you said, just going to be one of the more, more paid attention to springs that we've had in a while.
0: And obviously, Joe Brent Venables commandeers the headlines. We talk about Jerry Schmidt a lot. Do you feel like maybe we're not talking enough about Jeff Levy?
4: Um, I was going to say, like, the guy that I feel like we're not talking about about is Todd Bates. But yeah, no, uh, Jeff Levy is. Uh, that that's the guy that you, for all the things that Lincoln Riley was, and I, I I think that as a play caller, you know he he did a lot of great things at Oklahoma. But you know you, you're getting a really great offense in Jeff Levy and what he's going to bring to OU. Uh, I mean I'm I'm excited to see just if it is that big of a drop off, if at all, um, if Jeff Levy can do it better. I mean we kind of saw in the Alamo Bowl, and you know you take bowl games with a grain of salt, but you saw what Kel Gundy did with the play calling there and the preparations they had there. You know, how can Jeff Levy and this staff, you'll have Kel Gundy, you'll have uh, Bill Biedenboe, DeMarco Murray all around him, uh, Joe John Finley. I, this is a good staff. They're putting together a lot of guys that have played, or excuse me, coached a lot of, you know, high-quality offenses. And it, it, you are probably, I mean, just like we, we probably should be talking a little bit more about what this offense can be because obviously Brent Venables and that defense are, are stealing a lot of headlines.
3: Joe Bettner with us. Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner Football newsletter here on The Ref on a Thursday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune in uh, for the Plank Show today. Chris and Josh Helmer will be on a little bit later today. They're doing the uh, gymnastics special. uh, That show coming up at noon today right here on The Ref. Uh, Where should we be setting the bar for, like, Dylan Gabriel, uh, you know, who's going to be the starting quarterback for OU? uh, And, again, the bar is always set pretty high for Oklahoma quarterbacks. Spencer Rattler didn't clear it last year. Caleb Williams did, but then had some problems uh, down the stretch against better defenses. What do you think we should be expecting out of Dylan Gabriel?
4: I mean, if he's not one of the, you know, top – two top three quarterbacks in the league next year, I think it'll be a little bit of a disappointment. I think that that's what you do when you come to Oklahoma. You expect to be the best quarterback in the conference, especially like the past, you know, uh, what's what's it been? Yeah, I, Honestly, past past two decades, Oklahoma's just had great, great quarterback play pretty consistently. And I think that if Dylan Gabriel, you know, coming to a place like Oklahoma from UCF, like the expectations and the pressure should naturally you know, increase, and I think that Dylan Gabriel is, you know, a fantastic quarterback. I, I it, it's kind of strange that you know, uh, as much as we talk about the transfer portal, you know, I don't feel I feel like Oklahoma. It's probably getting a lot of love nationally for for that signing. At least like I, I maybe the, the book on Dylan Gabriel is just you know kind of lost on people just as far as just how good he can be. But if you see what he did at UCF, and you look at you know before that injury, I should say. It, He's a he's a fantastic quarterback. He's really promising. I think he's got a lot of tools to to be really successful. He obviously uh, knows the system somewhat and will continue to grow in that with Jeff Levy in place. But um, I, I think if he's if he's not top you know top two top three, then I, I think that you can kind of consider disappointment. Especially no offense to the rest of the Big Twelve, but you go look around the quarterbacks the rest of the league. It's it's not great. It's not the most appetizing. Uh, I guess, the roster of Big 12 quarterbacks this upcoming season.
0: Joe, as we get ready for the NFL Combine here, and it's set to kick off throughout the week as – 11 Sooners which is tied for the most nationally for a single program uh, get ready to compete at the NFL combine you take a look at the list of entries for Oklahoma who's one guy that you really think has an opportunity to elevate their stock this week maybe one guy that has more of an opportunity than his peers to you know where he if he puts up an above average or even an excellent performance at the combine in the eyes of analysts and Scouts has the opportunity to make a quantum leap up draft boards.
4: Yeah, I think the guy that is, is, you know, the the one that we've talked about for a while is just Nick Benito being uh, a first round type of talent. I don't, I feel like that momentum was kind of lost throughout the twenty twenty one season. Um, if there's a guy that I think can go out there and show that just that pure raw athleticism, and you know, the kind of the format that combines go that's a guy that I think is maybe can maybe talk his way back into being uh you know an early day two pick day one pick if he really wows a team um but in you know Nick Benito I feel like is the obvious answer the one thing I'm really curious to see is just how a guy like Tyrese Robinson or Marquise Hayes does because I think that those are two offensive linemen that probably got a you know a bad rap for what was uh, a disappointing offensive line in 2021 but I think that those, those two players have all of the tools, the tools, all of the talent to be successful at the next level. Um, and especially when they get in a true strength and conditioning program that can, you know, really maximize those talents. Those are two guys that I think that you're going to, a lot of NFL teams are going to look at and say like, you know, we, we can work with this. You know, we can, we can work around this. We can develop them. Um, I think that obviously Bill Bimbo is a great coach, but, uh, and has you know turned those players into to being NFL type players, but you know once I think they kind of get in front of a you know NFL uh, you know coaching staff that they can really thrive and kind of take off.
3: All right, Joe, how does uh, how does somebody sign up get your newsletter? Yeah, uh, Oklahoma dot com is where you can go um, and subscribe.
4: It's uh, free. There's a paid version, but mostly free. And we also uh, we also run a podcast.
3: So. All that stuff gets sent straight to your inbox. EyesonOklahoma.com is where you can find all of it. Joe, appreciate your time. We'll talk again soon. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. You too. Joe Bettner joining us. Eyes on Oklahoma, Sooner Football Newsletter. Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you about my friends over there. They sponsor my streaming show uh, in the afternoon. Love the folks over at Riverwind. And whenever you have a, a sponsor, you always like to be able to promote a lot of things about that sponsor. And the marketing department over at Riverwind is second to none. Great promotions every month. The $80,000 courtside cash promotional giveaway is underway Friday night, 6 to 1130 will be the first drawing for that promotion. Get on out there. Hopefully hear your name called. They draw 33 names between 6 and 1130 and then two grand prize winners just before midnight. Win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play also this month. Later in March, it is the eighty. Uh, 80- thousand dollar land into luxury promotion you can win your share of eighty thousand dollars in cash and bonus play and the grand prize for that promotion beginning on march 13th with the drawing on march 26th is a brand new 2020 cadillac st5 they have a $15,000 St. Patrick's payout promotion underway. $10,000 March Blackjack Madness promotion underway. They've always got something going on at Riverwind. The gold coin giveaway, win a share of $5,000 coming up on St. Patrick's Day. It is all happening at Riverwind. That is why they are simply the best. All right, we'll break right here. Coming up, Spencer Rattler throwing shade at Shoe. I hope so. Steely's here for that. Oh, yeah. Yes, I am. Remember, I blocked him on Twitter, so I have the upper hand, except in the uh, bank account competition, and he has the huge upper hand there. All right. Stay with us. We're coming right back. Parker's got to get his uh, Tom Petty fix in at least once a day. Always. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We miss Tom Petty. Gone too soon. Man, uh, what a career he had. I can still remember playing Damn the Torpedoes on repeats over in the uh, Norman High School parking lot back in the day. Really? Man, this guy, really good. And that was before uh, American Girl and Breakdown and... Uh, American Girl came first. Yeah, that was first. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Didn't Breakdown come on? Was Breakdown on his first album too? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Yes. So, and I kind of I remember there was a local band, great local band. If you're uh, as old as I am and you've been hanging around Norman and the Oklahoma City area for a long time, Osage was a great, really great local band. Extremely talented. Uh, The Walker. Uh, Brett Walker was the lead guitarist. They were outstanding, and they used to play the bar scene back in the day. And I remember hearing uh, Breakdown, and that's when I first discovered Tom Petty. And then when Damn the Torpedoes hit, uh, yeah, uh, became a huge Tom Petty guy. So good choice, Parker. Like I said, you come from a musically inclined family, I think, because uh, you have a good appreciation for older music. It's rare in kids these days, you know, they're going around with all that
0: hippie hop and all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, like Nothing to, wrong I like, with that. I like to think I'm a rare breed. You are somewhat you, of you, an I think anachronism, you are. Yeah. I suppose.
3: By the way, I finished up the uh, Kanye uh documentary on Netflix. It's really good, man. It's about seven hours in three parts but a fabulous look into his life behind the scenes in the hip-hop culture i mean where you see jay-z cootie you see obviously his buddy from chicago uh ludicrous you see a lot of the great rappers and uh, kanye was determined to make it and man he had a he had a dogged work work ethic and then when they kept saying you know well you're a beats only guy that's about it and he said no i'm a rapper and he proved it um and then it's fascinating because you see kind of him lose his sense of self once he gets really big. And then we find out he's got mental, uh, his mental health, of course, has been problematic. You saw the, the news about the video, the new video uh, last night, where basically in this video, it's a depiction of him basically burying Pete Davidson alive, which has caused a lot of controversy. But he's, he's been diagnosed bipolar and he's suffered through depression, but he's a very fascinating guy. And uh, is extremely talented. And it, uh, I would recommend that documentary. It's a lot. I mean, it's all behind-the-scenes stuff, but it's a pretty fascinating look at uh, Kanye, you know, his
0: uh, growth to stardom and, uh, you know, some of the, a lot of the issues he's been dealing with. Yeah, by the way, Air Comfort Solutions text line, one listener says, you're playing the birds, not Petty. Well, you're half right. That song is originally a bird song. Well, that's true, that is- yeah.
3: I like the birds too, man. Roger McGuinn had some cool glasses back in the day. That is the Tom Petty cover yeah. from Full Moon Fever. There, there, there's a musicologist right there. You're exactly right. Uh, Sweethearts of the Rodeo, one of the great albums of all time, by the way, from the Birds. Um, Okay, so you sent me the screenshot, and we're trying to decide. I, this has to be some shade at Muleshoe and the Muleshoe administration, right? Spencer Rattler
0: speaking out about his new situation in South Carolina. Yeah, how about this? He said the other day in a press conference— With the South Carolina media, and I quote, I am learning a lot of new things every day, terminology and verbiage that I didn't know coming in. Okay, that's kind of to be expected in a new offense. Then he says, Coach Satterfield and Coach Coleman have done a great job with me so far. I have learned probably more in a month than I have in my college career.
3: Can somebody, wow. uh, can somebody screenshot that and send it to Shoe? Not wow. that I'm still caught up on that situation, but, you know, with that, I guess I am caught up with it, but um, that that's pretty bold right there, man. Wow. Where is Spencer Rattler, or where was Spencer Rattler supposed to be right now?
0: The, the NFL Combine. At the Combine. He's to
3: be. Throwing at the Combine, right? Right. That's what everybody thought. It was almost a sure shot that he was going to be there. And he had a good, you know, his first year at Oklahoma, started slowly, was inconsistent. But you could see the kid still got a good arm. He's talented. But, man, this year for Spencer Rattler, I don't know if we've ever seen on the college football stage a guy that was the number one contender, number one favorite to win the Heisman, The number one player preseason in the ESPN college football player rankings was Spencer Rattler. That guy lose his job seven games into the season, and a lot of people basically uh, come to the conclusion that "Ah, this kid's overrated, just can't play.
0: I mean, and that's what happened to Spencer Rattler. It was a spectacular fall from grace. Oh, my The gosh. likes of which we have yeah. not seen before. No,
3: we haven't. And I give it up to him because he did stick around.
0: Yes, he did. You know,
3: I, I, I think that Spencer was uh, so much in the spotlight for so long because of the Netflix series. People knew about him well before he got to Oklahoma. He's got a little cockiness to him. And, look, a lot of the great quarterbacks do. Uh, Baker Mayfield has, uh, you know – the chip on his shoulder has been there for a long, long time, um, and he's got, he's got an issue in Cleveland whether or not they're going to keep him long-term or not. But still, Baker always relied on that. Spencer Rattler, though, once he started struggling, I thought some of the ways that he dealt with some of the questions, you know, those people have no idea about football. and You could kind of tell it was getting to him. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think he handled that very well uh, on a few occasions, but he's still a kid, man. He's still a kid, and I hope he has a really good, uh, good season at South Carolina. And I, I think, think that'd he be will cool for him.
0: I think he will. And Shane Beamer, in the span of one year since taking that job, has drastically reversed the fortunes of that Gamecocks football program. And now you have the opportunity, and it may it may be a one off type of year, because you're not going to have another quarterback as talented as Spencer Rattler anytime soon. And you're probably not going to have another tight end as talented as Austin Stogner anytime soon. So you have some pieces that aren't necessarily replaceable in an immediate sense, but you have a chance in the year 2022 to put together one of the best seasons in the history of your program if the chips fall just so. And that's a massive credit to what Shane Beamer has been able to accomplish from a culture standpoint more than anything else since taking the reins at South Carolina.
3: And, man, so many people uh, really like Shane Beamer so much at OU. Uh, Just a great guy, great pedigree. His dad, Frank, obviously a legend there in Blacksburg, Virginia at Virginia Tech. Uh, and he was so well-received at Oklahoma, and I I hope it works out well for him and Spencer Rattler. But help us out of the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Is there anybody else that you can think of out there in college football who is as highly billed? Now, in Oklahoma, you may say Marcus Dupree, you know, back in the early 80s, but anybody of recent memory that was – that high up on a pedestal before the season began, who took a fall like that, that's got to play, you know, I don't know if it wrecks your confidence. Uh, can he get that back quickly at South Carolina? We'll see. You know, he needs a couple good games to yep. go out and fling the football around, have success, uh,
0: and I hope he does well. But... Well, because the Spencer Rattler that's playing with swagger is a far, far cry from the Spencer Rattler that's playing tentative. Mm-hmm. They're two entirely different players, and so if Spencer Rattler comes out and slings the ball around a couple, the first couple of games, throws a couple touchdown passes, keeps the ball out of harm's way, leads him to a couple wins, then that's the thing that's going to start to have a snowball effect on the rest of the season because once he gets going, once he starts feeling himself, he's a dangerous guy.
3: Yeah, Spencer Rattler, I think, is going to get a shot still in the NFL. Now, oh, he it's, will. it's not going to be a uh, early first round situation, unless he has just an unbelievable, uh, you know, season at South Carolina. Maybe that could happen. Who knows? But I would like to see him get another chance. Uh, and you know, part of the deal was he lost confidence early in the season because the team underperformed. And little did he know, his previous line coach was f- flirting with two football mistresses, apparently. During at least a portion of the season, maybe much, maybe the entire season, we don't know. So, um, like I said, Spencer, I don't know that he. Uh, obviously, Caleb Williams became the guy. He was the fan favorite, and uh, you know, we talked about the time when it was announced he was going to be the starter in that game. Um, you know that the the crowd went crazy, and man, Spencer Rattler stood th- over there on the sidelines and took all that in. Like I said, uh, that that was a bunch. So. We'll see how it plays out for him. But I definitely think that's some shade. And remember, what did he tweet out originally? Like, there was some kind of laughing emoji he sent out on something that Mule Shoe tweeted out. Yeah. It was very quickly deleted. But
0: uh, uh, you also think about the fact that, man... That cost Spencer Rattler a lot of money Oh, because you take a look at the quarterback class in the 2022 draft cycle versus the quarterback class that we're going to have next year in the 2023 draft cycle. I mean, the group of 2023 signal callers is night and day better than what you're dealing with right now in 2022. You're trying to decide between Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, and Malik Willis as QB1 on this draft board. If Spencer here's here's the thing. I think if Spencer Rattler had handled the situation with a little bit more grace, and he did for the most part, but you know, he'd make those backhanded comments from time to time yeah, about the yeah. fans not knowing what they were talking about. If he handled that situation with a little bit more grace, I I wonder if he might have been able to enter the draft anyway, come on out to the combine, crush the interview process, work out strong. And like, there's a very good chance that. Benching or no benching, Spencer Rattler still could have been the top quarterback off the board in the class of 2022 when all was said and done. Yeah,
3: it's just interesting because the Combine officially, uh, they're getting out there on the field today at Lucas Oil Stadium. And this is where Spencer Rattler expected to be, you know, in Indy right now, getting ready to throw the football for the Scouts at the Combine. Instead, he's with Shane Beamer in Columbia, South Carolina.
0: Are we comfortable designating Columbia, South Carolina as a satellite campus for the University of Oklahoma? Yeah, I'm good with that. Shane Beamer, Austin Stogner, Spencer Rattler, all true Sooners. They fall into that classification. Yeah, I, I, I'm good with
3: that. And uh, like I said, Rattler had some moments where his uh, his brashness, his cockiness, his hubris uh, shined through a little bit during that process. But, I, you know, I give him a pass. He's still a kid, man. And that was, like I said, that was an unprecedented situation almost in college football that he was dealing with to take that kind of fall. All right, we're going to break right here. Thanks to our sponsor, first hour here on Steelman and Thune. It's actually the Plank Sheldo here today. Chris and Josh Helmer will be on at noon. Thank you to Van Hoos Fence. Van Hoos Fence, give them a call 405 735 1167. Check them out online at vhfence.com. They'll do a great job for you. Get your fence back in shape before the really good weather is here all the time we got great weather today but spring and summer are coming get your fence looking great bhfence.com or 405-735-1167 coming right back all right winding up our uh, first hour mike steely parker thune with you and uh, we're on early today because uh, the plank show chris plank josh helmer will be on at noon today uh, chris is going to be out with uh K.J. Kindler and the uh, gymnastics team, the women's gymnastics team, previewing the big matchup, 1-2 matchup with Michigan. Uh, Michigan comes in number one, Sooners at number two, and uh, that is a 745 meets matchup at the LNC Friday night. That, that's going to be big. That's going to be big. So that's why we have uh, switched shifts today. So the Plank Show is going to be airing at noon today. All right, uh, Parker, the OU women get it done last night, 79-76, to uh, 76, so at least a four-seed in the Big 12 tournament for uh, Jenny Baranchek and the Sooner women. They will play Kansas on Saturday, and uh, they still have a chance to move up to the three-seed in the Big 12 tournament. Skylar Van, 19, Taylor Robertson. Uh, 19 last night, Maddie Williams had 13. The Sooners, according to the, uh, bracketology for the ladies, they are a four seed in the tournament. So you just can't say enough good things about Jenny Baranchek and the job she's done 23 and six expected to go to 24 and six, uh, you know, for the regular season. That's outstanding. Great first year. (laughs) Think about
0: this, Mike. If you had to put odds a year ago on which first-year Oklahoma basketball coach was going to lead their team to an absolutely locked-down, no questions asked NCAA tournament berth by late February, would it have been Jenny Brozek or Porter Moser? I, I think Porter Moser would have had the edge there. Yes, because Porter Moser was dealing. Like he he stepped into a situation where yeah, he had a lot of a lot of guys to replace. Sure. But he also had a team that won twenty games last year and went to the tournament. Jenny Baranchek's team went twelve and twelve. Yeah,
3: well, and uh, again, I I think Porter is a good coach. I, I think this team just has some shortcomings, and they're playing in the toughest conference in the
0: country, which is true.
3: You know, and you get a couple of those games, particularly those home games that you put in the win column, and the Sooners. You know, you're looking at a team that. What are they, 6-11 uh, and 11 in the conference right now? Is that where they're at, I think? Uh, they, if you if you get to eight wins in this conference, you're going to get in. You're going to get in. And uh, Bracketology had uh, two one-seeds in KU and Baylor, Joe Lenardi earlier in the week. Texas Tech was a three. They had Texas as a five. Iowa State as a seven. By the way, last night, Oklahoma State 53 Iowa State, 36.
0: I mean... That was an actual score of a basketball
3: game? That was a score. I mean, did Mr. Iba come back and coach that game? I mean, were they playing in the White Chuck Taylors with the Nutter Shorts? I mean, 53-36. to Iowa State scored 16 in the second half after lighting it up for 20 in the first half. (laughs) And Oklahoma State wins by 17 in Ames. And uh, Joe Lenardi had... Iowa State, I believe, is a seven seed in bracketology earlier this week. TCU, by the way, as a nine. TCU, you know, they by the way, TCU plays at Kansas tonight after beating Kansas. Um, you know, uh recently, they they have to reschedule that game because TCU had some COVID issues earlier in the year. So they they'll turn around and play Kansas again uh tonight at Allen Fieldhouse. And then Saturday you have the Sooners playing in Manhattan against Kansas State. ESPN plus game there at three o'clock. Uh, Tech will play at Oklahoma State at 2 o'clock at Gallagher-Iba, TCU at West Virginia, Texas at Kansas. Big game Saturday in the fog at 3 o'clock on ESPN, then Iowa State at Baylor. But, man, yeah, 53-36. Cowboys win last night.
0: Hmm. I'd have to take another look at how the seating all shakes out, but does that put Oklahoma in contention to grab the 6th seed as opposed to the seven in the Big 12 tournament if they win on Saturday? Because – if they were to win and Iowa State were to lose to Baylor, which is a mm-hmm. safe assumption, both of those teams are 7-11. and So uh, what what is the time They, tie split, they, split, the yeah, they split the regular season they split the regular season series. I don't know. Series. I guess the next uh, common opponents, yeah, I guess.
3: I, I don't know. we have to look at that. But, yeah, I mean, Iowa State, man, That that's crazy. I mean, that team has got some offense, man. But last night they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And the Cowboys, you know, to win – Uh, With 53 points is very unusual in college basketball to win by 17, scoring 53 points. (laughs) That doesn't happen. And uh, the Cowboys did it last night. All right, so we got a lot more to get to. Next hour, we're going to talk a little Oklahoma City Thunder basketball with John Hamm and uh, Colby Powell, 73rd Hole Podcast. Going to jump on for a few minutes. We're going to talk about this Tiger-Phil situation with Tiger winning the uh, PIP Award on the PGA Tour after Phil tweeting out that he was going to win it and Tiger trolling Phil on social media yesterday. All that coming up next hour here on The Ref. Ah, yes. Well, before noon, we are uh, switching uh, shifts with the Plank Show today. Uh, Chris, going to be out with the OU Women's Gymnastics team uh, at noon today. Josh Helmer, of course, will be doing his usual great job uh, with Plank as well. They'll be going from, uh, we think, about uh, 12 to 2.30 today. The OU Women will host Michigan for that 1-2 matchup. Friday night at the LNC, which is going to be huge and will also be at uh, 745 on ESPN2, but they want to pack the house at the LNC. And uh, Chris Plank's going to be out there talking to the team and Coach KJ Kindler as uh, the Sooners get ready for that matchup with Michigan. So uh, Plank is going to be here. It's just going to be at noon. Thank you to the folks at Allison Insurance, sponsoring our second hour today here on uh, The Plank Show. Health insurance, life insurance, Medicare supplements, HSAs, and more. Bob and Robert Allison are going to find the needs uh, that suit you the best for insurance, health insurance. Like I said, anything you're looking for, they've got the solution for you. Allison Insurance has been helping you and your family for over 60 years Good guys, Bob and Robert Allison. Robert Allison, man, he could shoot the three back in the day for the Sooners, too. Knock down some shots for you. Uh, 405-745-2968 or allisoninsurance.com. Okay, so uh, later this afternoon, uh, Presser with the Sooner assistant coaches. Now, we've heard from Brent. We got to hear, of course, on a Zoom from Jeff Levy. And uh, and Ted Roof and those are great, man. I, I, Ted Roof, I think when when he was first announced, some people were like, "What Ted Roof?" Brent's the you know, well, Brent's you know he's got head coaching responsibilities. It, it's going to be his defense, but Ted Roof is uh, I, I think's a good hire. I thought he was really good with the media too. Now Lebby, everybody was already excited about Jeff Levy coming back, but I, I was really impressed with uh, what Ted Roof had to say. I thought it was good stuff. So. Um, Again, hearing from all the assistant coaches, it's going to be a cool situation today. And I think Joe Bettner talked about this earlier that uh, because you look at the coordinators first and the Sooner fans, their wish list after the departure of Muleshoe was get Brent Venables. And man, if you can get Brent and you can bring in Jeff Levy from Ole Miss, boom, that's what we want. Well, not only do they get that, but you get Todd Bates coming along for the ride from Clemson too, and that's a big time get for OU. What are you uh, What are you looking forward to today in terms of uh, talking to these assistant coaches?
0: I think Miguel Chav- Chavis yeah, has think, also
3: become a hit. So I far. think more
0: than anything else, I'm just curious to see Miguel Chavis' personality up close and in person because that's the thing that everybody talks about with that guy. just he, you know he's so gregarious, so personable, and I think it'll be really intriguing to see what that looks like, you know, firsthand, as opposed to hearing it secondhand from recruits and uh, those that are within the inner circle in which Miguel Chavez operates. So, uh, I I would say Chavez is probably the guy I'm most excited to talk to. Also, just because you haven't gotten the chance to talk to him, yet. right? Uh, the, he has he has not met with the media ever as a coach because he hasn't been a coach. Until now. He's always worked in an off-field role up until this point uh, in his five seasons at Clemson. So, I would say more anticipation for Chavis than anybody.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. You can tell he's super fired up to be, uh, you know, to be... Uh, you know, in a full-time gig. Uh, as an assistant coach at OU, he's, he's been really good on Twitter, and you can see that he is, uh, again, filled with energy and passion, kind of like uh, the head man Brent Venables. I, I'm trying to think, though, when you think about an assistant coach in college football – uh who's not a coordinator but is well thought of and a great recruiter with a, a tremendous reputation. uh Pulling in Todd
0: Bates on the staff is about as big as it gets too, right? Yes, indeed. And Todd Bates, you know, I feel, you know, Joe Bettner was saying in hour number one I, it, it, that he didn't feel as though Todd Bates had been talked about enough. And I don't know if that's just – uh, Joe and I run in different circles, but I feel like, you know, from my perspective, Todd Bates is a guy that's gotten a lot of buzz ever since his hiring, and deservedly so, because his impact as a recruiter at Clemson was immeasurable, and I think he'll have the same effect at Oklahoma now that he's working in concert with Brent Venables and the likes of Jay Vali, Kale Gundy, et cetera. To try and pull some of the southeast elite talent out of that region and get them on campus at Oklahoma. That's the other thing about Oklahoma too is that uh, this staff is recruiting as a unit, as a team. They're not. They're not divvying up these players and say, "Okay, you're on this guy, you're on this guy, you're on this guy." Those, you're the only guy they're ever going to talk to about the University of Oklahoma. No, for most of these players, they're getting the chance to get to know and interact with and chat on the phone with multiple of the coaches on the Sooners staff, whether that's Brent Venables and Jeff Lebby or Ted Roof, you're talking about the coordinators, or whether that's uh, specific positional designations like Chavis and like Brandon Hall and like Joe John Finley. So the recruiting philosophy that's been put in place at Oklahoma since the turnover on staff has been super interesting, not just because they're recruiting less players overall, but also because the recruiting – Uh, The entire experience on the recruits end is a lot more collaborative when you're talking about the OU coaches working uh, in partnership with one another to recruit an individual to the University of Oklahoma.
3: All right, so that's happening today. We'll have uh, audio uh, probably at some point later today, and we'll have some audio, I'm sure, on all the shows here tomorrow, hearing from the assistant coaches. By the way, uh, Jason Kersey, the great writer for The Athletic, the pride of Noble, announced on Twitter earlier today that he is leaving uh, writing. Uh, And Leaving the Athletic, which uh, Jason, uh, you know, great writer, really good guy, athletic, does a tremendous job. That's a very prestigious uh, place to be writing for, but he is uh, going to pursue a law degree. So best of luck to Jason Kersey. And I bring that up because he just did a great piece on Kale Gundy a few days ago. That is a tremendous read. Uh, if you have a chance, go look at that, because Cale Gundy has kind of been the unsung hero behind the scenes at OU for a long time. Even Bob Stoop said in the story, he's kind of been the guy that's held things together. And Cale was in a situation where he didn't know what was going to happen. In that story, it's a great piece by Jason. On uh, what Kale Gundy has meant to the meant to the Oklahoma staff, and at one point, you know, he he was talking to his brother Mike, obviously, and said, "Man, if if something, if you have an opening there, you know, <laughs> let me know," because he was unsure. Everything was turned into to- turmoil, and Mike told him there is no way they're going to let you go there. And uh, you, you might read that piece because Kale has done so much. You talk about a Sooner through and through. That is a program guy, Kale Gundy. No doubt about it. Cale Gundy. All right. Uh, speaking of Oklahoma football, the SEC, a lot of us thought initially, because kind of the the way these things have gone, you know, you make a decision like back in the day when Nebraska went to the Big Ten. You know, those schools went to the, the Big Ten. Uh, Colorado obviously uh, went to the uh, Pac-12. But, uh, you know, you, you think about, AM and going to the SEC as well. Just what happened, how the Big 12 split up. Missouri going to the SEC. And they were able to play after one season. They were playing in their new leagues, right? And everybody thought when we first got the word that Oklahoma and Texas were headed to the Southeastern Conference, well, they're going to be playing in the fall of 2023. They're not going to play all these lame duck seasons in the Big 12. Well, it's clearly not happening this fall. Uh, the Sooners are going to be playing in the Big 12 again, and Brian Davis, Austin American statesman, uh, has said that uh, in a story that the Sooners in Texas will not get there.
0: Was it Brian? I thought it was Chip Brown. No, it was Chip. That.
3: It was Chip. You're right. My my apologies. It was Chip Brown. You're right. Uh, until at least 2024. So, um or was it playing through 2024? I, I believe. The bottom line is uh, it's going to cost those uh, those schools a lot of money. And look, Texas prints money. Oklahoma does well, but I don't think they have that kind of money right now to just uh, say, "Yeah, here you go." You know, here's here's what you're looking for. Were we talking about 80 million? I think was the, was the number. Uh, and and maybe I don't know if that can be worked out. I, like I said, the craziest thing. That I think I heard opinion wise was that well, oh, you's having problems. Texas will just help him out to get to the league. Like Texas is gonna go. How much you need, huh? Thirty-five mil. Okay, no problem. We got that. Yeah, we've got uh, the tip jar from uh, Pole Assassin and G and the Monkey made that last year, so we can <laughs> we can help you out there. Not a problem. Um so we'll see we'll see what's going to happen by the way bob stoops was on the rush the other day with teddy and tyler McComas, and uh, they asked bob if he thinks the sooners are going to get a nice little recruiting bump uh with you know oklahoma headed to the southeastern conference
2: i really do um you know i think we've been knocking on the door you know been to three playoff games here in the last five years and you know we've we've had you know we've been able to win the Big Twelve uh, you know a great good great number of years and all but that's kind of where we've been and I, I think overall I have said this I think many times we're you know three four five players away from maybe winning it all mm-hmm. whether it be you know maybe more on defense uh, but you know even you know even some offensive players are, but. You know for sure, even some more defensive players, where we've got an opportunity to, to get over that hump, and uh, you know instead of being eleven and two, and you know whatever we're number ten in the country this year, but we've been in the top ten, and maybe this you know this move, you know with all the extra that goes with it, and, and proving what we're doing around our facility as well, you put it all together, and and we get those four, five, six guys that now all of a sudden can make that difference.
3: There you go and uh, this weekend is a huge uh, recruiting weekend, a junior weekend and uh what can you tell me
0: about Stacy Gage Parker? Stacy Gage, yeah, so he'll be visiting the 26th of March, originally from Hugo, Oklahoma, Mike. Really? Cur- so currently right. at IMG, I believe he grew up in Georgia if I'm not mistaken. But he spent his early years and the formative years of his childhood in Hugo, Oklahoma. And he's probably going to be a five-star in the 2024 recruiting cycle. So he had tweeted out what a, a few minutes ago.
3: It actually said, Sonner Nation, what's up? I can't wait to get back on campus. So the 26th for Stacy Gage?
0: That is correct. So it, a five-star, huh? Uh, probably. Do we know how long
3: he was in Hugo? Was it a while? I think
0: until he was like nine or ten. Deep Roots? Yeah, well, I just know he's a lifelong Sooner fan. Ah, there you go. There you go. How how bizarre and how fortunate is it that one of the five-star recruits in the class of 2024 just happens to hail from a town of 5,000 in southeast Oklahoma? There you go.
3: Uh, Richard Young this weekend, is that right? Yes, Richard Young will be in town this weekend. The number one uh, running back in the upcoming class. And, but you said, um, you're not super fired up about Oklahoma's chances with him.
0: No, I'm not. What's interesting, Mike, is that now, all of a sudden, and I don't know if you saw the news yesterday, it broke while I was on air with Tyler, Dylan Edwards is going to Arkansas this weekend instead of Oklahoma. Mm. So I don't I, I that I don't know how much bearing that has on the whole Richard Young situation. but, that's definitely heightened my interest in Oklahoma's recruitment of Richard Young. Again, I, I'm not convinced it changes Oklahoma's chances of getting Richard Young at all, and I don't think those chances are good. But there's a little bit more intrigue there than there once was because most expected that the reason Dylan Edwards was coming down to Oklahoma this weekend was to commit, and now he's headed to Fayetteville. Instead. So that's a very strange situation. I was digging on it all yesterday afternoon and evening, and suffice it to say, no one is really sure. Even those closest to Dylan Edwards are not really sure where that Arkansas visit came from, why it's happening where his head is at with the whole situation. So now, all of a sudden, getting Dylan Edwards may not be as much of a sure thing as OU fans may have initially anticipated. And Edwards is the
3: kid from what, Derby, Kansas? Derby, Kansas. And he's the speedster, you said, kind of like the Sooners, of course, had Rayleigh Brown committed. He's now out in Mule Shoe Country. And you said that's kind of their answer to him, right? Yes. Uh, Even though he's not the five-star that Brown is, uh, he's expected to get a four-star, three-star right now. So, yeah, that's uh, – what's Sam Pittman doing? I mean, they already got – I know that you said that uh, uh, the uh, Haz kid had uh, ties to Arkansas, right? Yes, that is correct. Uh, Luke Has from uh, Bixby, the tight end. So, yeah, we'll see what's happening there. Right? Come on, it, it's Arkansas. I mean, those people call the Hogs. Beautiful state, Arkansas, though, by the way. Yes, it is. It is a beautiful state. All right, we got to take a timeout right here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thanks again to Allison Insurance sponsoring our uh, second hour here on the Plank Show. Actually, Steelman and Thune at noon, but well before noon. When we get back, nice win for the Thunder last night. We'll talk with insider John Hamm about uh, the remaining games for Oklahoma City. I think now at uh, 19 regular season games left, and that'll be it for Oklahoma City. But uh, I'm feeling pretty good about the Thunder. We'll see if John is when we get back. All right, Steelman and Thune in uh, for the Plank Show today. Chris, Josh Helmer will be on uh, at noon today, getting you ready for that big meet, the 1-2 matchup, the Sooners in Michigan at the LNC Friday, 745 ESPN2. But get out there and support K.J. Kindler and the uh, Sooner women in that matchup. And uh, Chris is going to be out there talking with the coach and uh, all the athletes. uh, So that's why we switched shifts today. All right, so you've got us until noon today, not at noon. And uh, we welcome in our friend John Hamm, Thunder insider. And, uh, John, thanks for your time today. i got to tell you, I'm pretty fired up right now about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I know Josh Giddey didn't play last night, he's got the hip issue still But the Thunder wins in Denver. Isaiah Roby at a career-high 26. But what I'm seeing from Trey Mann and uh, what I'm seeing, obviously, from Giddy, I, I think Sam Presti did a, a really good job with this draft class. The question is how long, John, do you think uh, Sam Presti has, particularly with this fan base, to cobble together again a realistic contender before they really start to lose some interest? I think the fans are still pretty engaged, but what are you thinking along those lines?
1: Yeah, you know, all things considered, Steely, I mean, the fans are still showing up in the building. The attendance is still good. Obviously, they're not selling out night in, night out like they did back in the heyday. Uh, And when I say heyday, I'm talking a few years ago. Um, The TV ratings are still good. Uh, So people are still tuning in to watch this team. And I mean, clearly, you know, some corners of the Internet, uh, they want this team turned around yesterday because they did it in their fantasy football league, and so why can't Sam Presti do it? That's right. Um, But, you know, this team is going to be built like the Tampa Bay Rays build a baseball team. It's going to be built like a lot of small markets. It's going to be slow and steady. Sure, there are some teams like Sacramento that are going to take shortcuts to get to the middle. That's not what OKC wants. And so, you know, it's been a bit of a struggle there, right, trying to explain to people uh, to be a little patient, to let these guys develop. You may not recognize their names now. But, you know, if, if you give it some time, like you just said with some of the players you mentioned, you know, these guys can become household names and then, you know, let, let's start judging where the team is at.
0: Now, it's pretty undeniable, John, that uh, you liked the performance from Poku last night. It was encouraging to see. But, you know, given that the Thunder are executing Operation Tank in this 2022 season, <laughs> uh, is that is that a game you would have preferred to lose?
1: Uh, that's the thing about this season, right? Um, you, you're you're mad at the victories, you're happy at the losses. It's completely upside down. It's bizarre world, um, you know. And but with, you know, games like last night. What else can Oklahoma City do when they're rolling out Olivier Saar and Lindy Waters? And, and again, no offense to these guys, but you know we're talking about guys on two way contracts that are having fairly significant contributions. You got Vit Krejci, who is still trying to feel his way around, getting some major minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, A lot of key guys were out last night. What else can this Thunder team do? At a certain point, you know, you let them go out and execute and let the cards lay where they lay. So, you know, you you can't hold back what Shea's been doing. He's been fantastic coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, Guys like Baisley and Pokaszewski, I mean, a couple of months ago, uh, you could have made a strong case for writing these guys off as sunk costs, but they've turned it around. So you don't want to hinder that. And you know, to me, it's just going to—it's going to change the degree of difficulty this off season if OKC doesn't get you know some lottery luck, which could still happen. You know, yeah, they could yeah. still wind up with the sixth best, seventh best lottery odds and still take a jump. But you know, again, its, it's having to having to rely on a lot more than luck.
3: Yeah, and uh, the, the lottery hasn't been that kind, Oklahoma City. Last year they got the second worst scenario they could have gotten, but maybe this year you you do get one of those guys. Maybe you get Holmgren, maybe you get Jabari Smith, maybe you get Paulo Boncaro, who knows. But And that's the thing, John, because with what they have now, when they've got all of their guys healthy and they really want to play real basketball again, uh, you know, if you add one of those three guys I mentioned to that lineup, uh, all of a sudden, things start to look pretty good. I think
1: you look at Cleveland. You know, the Cavaliers. They you know, Lebron James left, and they basically started over. Their their first draft pick was Colin Sexton, and that was from a trade from you know involving Kyrie Irving. And they slowly added some guys. You know, they didn't go out. They, they finally made a big splashy free agent acquisition in Lowry Market in this off season, but you know, largely it was drafting Isaac Okoro. It was Darius Garland adding guys into this mix, and as those guys grew and developed, now you add in Evan Mobley, and Mobley's not the star of the team necessarily, but he's able to bring something to to sort of uh, add to the rest of the group. And that's a scenario that could play out with Oklahoma City, like you say, with all of these young guys that are poised to take more steps forward. You add in another young prospect that may not necessarily drag the team down, but, you know, may fit in pretty well with the other guys as they're taking a step forward.
0: As the college basketball season winds down to March, John, have your feelings changed at all as far as what the top tier of this NBA draft board in the year 2022 is going to look like? Boncaro, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith. Anybody else in that top tier for you?
1: You know, it, to me, Jaden Ivey is a guy that that continues to, you know, make a case for maybe butting himself up into that top three. Um, You know, we always have to wait until you get to the draft combine because that is when teams really get to sit down, uh, analyze these guys, or not even at the combines, just in all the workouts and all the interviews afterwards. And that's when you start to see, you know, some guys come up in the draft. That's when you start seeing guys slip a little bit. Um, So it's always a little bit difficult to read. And I'm going to caution everyone. You know, you're going to see all the mock drafts going on right now. You're going to start getting in your mind what the quote-unquote value of a player is. And then we're going to get to the draft, and someone's going to get drafted into place that you weren't expecting, and you're going to think, oh, this team reached, or, you know, going to come to a lot of opinions there. But, I mean, so much is formed in the offseason after college season is over. So, you know, we'll see what guys kind of move up a little bit based on talks with personnel talent-wise. Those seem to be the guys, at Jade and Ivy, and we'll see how the Shaden Sharp situation resolves at Kentucky. I think there's still there's still a lot of people that think Shaden Sharp is gonna go back and play a year at Kentucky and not necessarily right. go to the draft. That's another kind of wild card in this whole thing.
3: It's going to be interesting. I like Ivy a lot. And I know people will say, "Man, the Thunder—they got so many guys in that uh, at that position, at guard." You know, but the NBA is a positionless league almost now to a certain extent. And if you can play and you have that skill set, uh, I, I, you know, and if you get the fourth pick and and Jaden Ivy's there, and it's a long ways away, uh, John, as you mentioned, but uh, I wouldn't have any problem with them going that route. I, I think the kid's really good. Uh, for Purdue. All right, real quick before we let you go. Interesting year in the NBA. We talked about the Eastern Conference. You mentioned Cleveland. Billy Donovan's done an unbelievable job with Chicago. Some people think DeMar DeRozan is a a sleeper candidate for for MVP. It's been, uh, you know, if you look at what's going on, and we talk about injuries and trades, and we know what's happened to the Nets, but Miami, Chicago, uh, when you look at the East, you have the Bulls and the Cavs among the top five seeds in that conference. Uh, Denver last night, you know, obviously Jamal Murray with the uh, the injury. Uh, they're thinking they could get him back for the playoffs. Michael Porter Jr. hasn't hardly played. They're waiting to see on his situation, so we don't know what Denver is going to look like when the playoffs roll around. But the thing I'm still looking at, the Lakers would be in the play-in game right now. They're seven games below 500. I mean – I don't know if a lot of people thought, oh, yeah, then the Lakers, man, add Russ, it's, you know, championship or bust. But there's no way we could have seen this kind of catastrophe with the Lakers, right? I mean, this is just really – I mean, it's been horrific.
1: Yeah, it it really has been. And, you know, I was was a little more bullish on that move than I should have been. Um, And and I understood, like, you know, from a salary cap standpoint, you're trading – all of your tradable guys and putting them into one giant basket. That is Russell Westbrook. And then does Russell Westbrook mesh with LeBron James at all, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, I, I, just put a lot of faith in like, Hey, LeBron tends to know what he's talking about when he says, I want to go get a guy. And, you know, it's not all on Russ, he's obviously, he's always been, you know, just this giant magnet for criticism over the years. But, you know, the problem is you go out, you 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 trade your your mid you know level contribution type guys for Russ, and now you got to fill in all of those spots with a bunch of veteran minimum guys. Half of them have barely panned out, if at all. Um, you know, their one other additional signing. Kendrick Nunn hasn't played all season with a bone bruise in his knee. Yeah, it's just it, it's made for you know obviously just a just a bad homecoming for Russ, unfortunately. And you know you look back and. There were moves the Lakers could have made well before this. They could have had you know, Kyle Lowry on the team last season. Uh, they could have kept Alex Caruso. They could have done a number of things to put the team in a better position than where they are right now. And, yeah, you know, uh, this team, I think, is just going to kind of be. I think they're sort of just playing their way till the end of the season yeah. and sort of getting it over with because what, you know, what realistic hope do you have at this point, given where they're at in standings right
3: now? Yeah, and even if Anthony Davis comes back, he's he'll get injured again, it seems like all the time. And you're right, uh, with what <laughs> they had to do to fill out the roster, uh, it hasn't worked out well. It did work out well for Austin Reeves, though, because he's got a spot in the NBA yeah. and he's taking advantage of that so far. Hey, John, as usual. Great stuff. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. John Hamm, Thunder Insider. We'll break right here when we get back. I want to talk for just a few minutes about uh, the situation on the PGA Tour with Tiger trolling Phil yesterday. We'll bring in Colby Powell, 73rd Hole Podcast. This was top-notch stuff yesterday with Tiger coming after Phil. Stay right here. All right. If I had to pick uh, one song, this this would be my song. Number one. All Why time. is that? I don't know. I just love this song. I mean, I've got a lot of songs on my favorites list, but I think if I had to pick one, it would be this one from Tears for Fears. By the way, I saw them on uh, CBS Sunday morning about two weeks ago. They're looking really, really, really old.
0: Well, that's surprising. That's not surprising because I think they are really, really, really old at this point. They are,
3: man. They are. But, man, they were huge in the 80s, and they had a breakup. Those two guys, man, didn't get along for a long time. They're back together touring again. But, uh, yeah, I love that song. By the way, you know who else is looking really, really old? Me. I am telling you, I look at the mirror, I see a face now that could frighten children. You could put me, like, in a haunted house at Halloween. I could jump out from behind the corner, and the children would be terrified. That's how old and ugly I'm getting over the years. It's not good at all. I'm starting to get 60 Minutes Andy Rooney eyebrows, too, that I've got to work with, which they they, they must be trimmed or they're going to look re- even worse than they do. Okay, we have the one and only uh, Colby Powell joining us, 73rd Hole Podcast, Nose Golf Inside and Out. And yesterday, Colby, we got the news that it wasn't Phil. It was Tiger Woods winning the PIP Award, the inaugural PIP Award on the PGA Tour, the Player Impact Program Award. Uh, Basically, how much uh, you affect the game in terms of social media, Q rating, all of that stuff. And Tiger, even though he didn't swing a golf club, was your winner. $8 $8 million awarded to Tiger. Uh, Phil got $6 million. But the great thing was Phil had tweeted out earlier recently that, you know, he was going to win the PIP award. Uh, Thanks for supporting me, some of you haters, whatever. And Tiger came back yesterday after he won with a screenshot of Phil's tweet, and he quote tweeted it with a whoops and a shrugging the shoulders emoji. It was top-level trolling, don't you think? Still, man, it was the
5: greatest tweet Tiger Woods has ever sent, and I don't know when he will be able to top it anytime soon because if you go look at Tiger's Twitter all time, it is all just 100% professionalism. It looks like these tweets were created in a lab by robots somewhere out in California. (laughs) And then he comes after Phil Mickelson and hits him with the whoops. And, yeah, don't count your chickens before they hatch. They said it was a late flurry from Tiger Woods. He posted a video of him hitting a range ball on November 21st, and then he played in the PNC Championship with Charlie the weekend before Christmas. And I'm telling you, the interest that that drummed up, we we all kind of knew, still, man, this was the Tiger Woods Lifetime Achievement Award program Mm -hmm. to pay him back for all the money he's given into the game. And I think you and I, as massive Tiger homers, can agree then we're all very happy that Tiger went ahead and won the inaugural PIP Award.
3: Yeah, and the PIP Award is this, player impact program, and basically how much influence you have over the game of golf. The PGA Tour is playing you, paying you some extra money for helping grow the game and bringing awareness to the game. And the criteria, you, they look at Nielsen ratings, Google searches, the MVP index. I had no idea what Meltwater mentions were, but they look at those as well. Q rating. As you mentioned, uh, Tiger, you know, anytime he tweets out something on Instagram or Twitter or whatever of him swinging a golf club in particular. or uh, And look, so many people tuned in to see he and Charlie play again in the PNC Challenge, it doesn't surprise me at all. But um, do you think, you know, Phil and Tiger have had a very interesting relationship? Uh, if you watch the Tiger uh, documentary, Tita Woods, Tiger's mom used to call Phil Hefty instead of Lefty because he had a tendency to have a few extra pounds on, particularly when they were playing uh, golf, you know, up and coming as juniors. And, uh, you know, uh, Steve Williams has talked about the fact that, yeah, Phil's this or that a little bit in the past. It seems like they patched that up. So is this a shot at Tiger just trying to be funny, or do you think this was also a shot from Tiger, uh, you know, because of Phil and what he had been saying about the uh, Saudi Super League and everything?
5: Because of the way Tiger and Phil's relationship has progressed over the past few years, I really do think that this was in good fun from Tiger. I kind of joked yesterday on Twitter, you know, Rory last week said, I don't want to kick someone while he's down. And then he proceeded to just kick Phil Mickelson over and over again. So I tweeted that same thing out about Tiger yesterday. I really do think it was all good, lighthearted, fun. But things around Phil Mickelson right now are not good and are not lighthearted. So, yes, I, again, I commend Tiger for having a little bit of fun on Twitter because I think that's what it is. But it is certainly going to be open to interpretation because right now everything with Phil is open to interpretation.
0: Colby, how good is it for the game of golf when you see these guys' personalities kind of starting to come out in the public eye? And especially for a guy like Tiger, whom you said has generally been all class on Twitter, for him to pop off a tweet like this, how good is it for the public image of the sport of golf?
5: I think it's great. I think humanizing these players and just making them – I mean, they're just regular guys who just happened to be a lot better at golf than we all were. Maybe not Tiger. Tiger's not a regular guy. But these guys on the PGA Tour, they're regular guys. Victor Hovland is just a guy. He just happens to be really good at golf. And the ability to showcase that personality more, and we've started to see it more in the social media era and the PIP era. I mean, even Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson gets $3 million for being 10th on the PIP list. You want to know why? Because he capitalized on TikTok, which is a younger audience, and he's getting half a million views on every post he makes on TikTok. And that is good to reach a younger audience and continue to grow the game Because golf for a long time has been exclusively old, white, and male. And that is starting to disintegrate and it's becoming a much more inclusive sport. And I think the athletes being able to showcase their personality is just part of reaching that broader audience.
3: One month away, ladies and gentlemen, from the Augusta National Golf Club, will Phil be there? I, I think he will. Uh, will Tiger be there? Uh, no, no, I don't think he's not going to play competitively at Augusta. No way, right, Colby? Maybe the par three, maybe like a couple holes. What do you think?
5: Yeah, man, Augusta's such a tough walk. It is. He didn't sound. Yeah, he didn't sound overly optimistic about it at Genesis, but also I don't know exactly how truthful Tiger's being about his body because. Tiger doesn't want people to expect him to show up and then him not be there. So he's always going to throw caution to the wind. We, we have to caution ourselves. It's been 13 months since what was a horrendous car accident. I wouldn't expect him to be there, but still, man. All
3: right, we lost Colby for one second. I don't know if he's still there, but Colby, if you can, uh, what do you think? Is Southern Hills a possibility for Tiger? Maybe. I
5: was just saying, i must have cut out for just a second. I am crossing my fingers and hoping that when I'm at Southern Hills in late May, Tiger Woods is there uh, because that would be a treat for all the Oklahoma fans. He won it the last time it was there. So hopefully he'll be there. I'd say um, unlikely at Augusta, I'd say maybe 70-30 for Southern Hills with 30 being that he does play. But mm-hmm. I do think it's a very real possibility. Come on, we
3: got to go Casey Martin on this deal. Give Tiger a card. Give Tiger a card. Come on, let's get him out of Augusta. There's no way it's going to happen at Augusta, and there's no way it's going to happen at Southern Hills. But it would be, it would be cool. Colby, great stuff. I know you're on the road. Have a safe trip. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Mark. Talk to you all later. Colby Powell, 73rd Hole Podcast. Uh, guy knows his stuff, and uh, we are underway at the API, the Arnold Palmer Invitational right now. What what are we going back in Doc's and uh, Marty and Marty McFly's DeLorean? We've got Graham McDowell at, atop the leaderboard. Jeez. Graham McDowell, that's a name I haven't heard in a minute. He's tied with Rory right now, both at five under par, very early. Well, actually, they're, they're, uh, Graham McDowell's through 14 holes. All right, uh, we're going to take a break right here. When we get back, uh, let's talk a little Sooner football, and uh, we got to get into some hoops as well coming up in the next hour. By the way, Eric Bailey is going to join us coming up at 1120, great Sooner uh, writer from the Tulsa world. It will get his thoughts on what's happening. Stay with us. Steelman and Thune in for the Plank Show today. Chris and Josh Helmer will be with you at noon today right here on The Ref. We're coming right back. All right, we are back. One more segment, and uh, then we have another hour. If you're looking for Chris Plank and Josh Helmer, the Plank Show, they will be airing at noon today. Plank is out there uh, with the Oya Women's Gymnastics team. he will be talking to uh, K.J. Kendler, some of the uh, great gymnasts for the Sooners as they get ready for their matchup with Michigan, a 1-2 showdown. Number one, Michigan, number two, Oklahoma at the LNC. Friday night at 7:45, so get on out there and support the sooner women. If you can't, for whatever reason, uh, it will be on ESPN2, by the way, that matchup between Oklahoma and Michigan. All right, who is this guy? Is it J.D. Pickle or Pickel? Pickel? J.D. Yes. Pickel. That you're tweeting out, he evaluates prospects, I guess, and uh, had a video out on Nick Evers last
0: night. Correct? Yeah. So JD uh, is a guy that we actually just hired as a contributor over at OUInsider.com. But uh, Cornell grad, he played football at Cornell. Grad transferred to Baylor and was there for a year. And uh, yeah, just you—you put—you watch the stuff he puts up on Twitter. He is an expert at breaking down the film, showing you exactly what's going on, putting it in layman's terms, and kind of getting into the nuance of why a guy is a particular fit for a system, what to be excited about, what to be apprehensive about. You know, it's what you would expect from a guy who has an Ivy League degree and also played college football, right? That's pretty good right there, yeah.
3: And who else has that? Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah, that's true. Uh... Other Ivy Leaguers. There are many out there, I'm sure, but uh, yeah, not a, a can, ton. But... Cam
0: Brate, the tight end for the Buccaneers. Right. Yeah. Played at Harvard. He's no Fitzmagic, uh, but yeah. No, no one is. No one is. I'm trying to think. Who are the other notable Ivy Leaguers in the NFL over the years? Hmm. We would have to go ahead and Google it up. There aren't many.
3: Yeah. They are few and far between. Somebody can help us out in the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. Uh, go ahead and Google it up and let us know but uh so does he like about nick evers because obviously in the video that was sent out last night he was uh pretty high in praising that nick evers is a great future at oklahoma
0: yeah and i think what he likes about nick evers is what i like about nick evers and what a lot of people like about nick evers it's His decisiveness and his instinct in the pocket. He's got a very natural feel for the quarterback position. And he's not immune from making mistakes necessarily. And when you're a little bit more aggressive with your throws, the way that Nick Nick Evers is, the ball is going to end up going the other direction sometimes. That's just the nature of the game of football is that, you know, you try to fit the ball into a tight window. There's very little room for error. Sometimes uh, you end up taking a shot that you probably shouldn't have taken in hindsight. But what Nick Evers brings to the quarterback position and what he brings to the University of Oklahoma uh, really gets you excited because he displays, A, excellent stature, he's got a great frame, natural arm slot, clean delivery, but he can place the ball. And it's kind of the same conversation we were having with Dylan Gabriel, too, is He is not afraid to trust his arm. He is not at all apprehensive. And that's the type of mentality that you have seen quarterbacks in the Crimson and Cream over the years deploy to great success. Baker Mayfield is obviously the prototypical example of that. But you think about every successful quarterback that Oklahoma's had over the years had that little bit of extra swagger. And some in some cases, it was more conspicuous than others. Baker wore it on his sleeve. Other guys not as much, but if you go back to Jason White, right? To a certain extent, if you're going to play the quarterback position at a high level, you got to have a lot of trust in your own ability, and you got to be you got to be willing to go out on a limb and say, "I'm going to make a play here. I'm going to trust what's in front of me, what my eyes tell me, what my instincts tell me, and I'm going to trust." That I have more of a capacity to execute this play than the opposition.
3: All right, so uh, the future quarterback battle: uh, Nick Evers and Jackson Arnold. And Evers was what eighth in the in his class among quarterbacks, and I believe Arnold is up to number six.
0: Number six, yeah, he is knocking on the door of five star territory. So, how do you see that that one shaping up? That'll be intriguing. Because there will be a very, very compelling argument for both of those guys to start, I believe, when that battle rolls around. I I have given and will continue to give the edge to Evers just because he will have he'll have an extra year on Arnold by that point. And the value of knowing the system and being able to experience it in practice over the course of that season is Valuable, It means something in that quarterback battle. And I think Jackson Arnold is is tremendous. I don't think he's going to be riding the bench for long in Norman, Oklahoma. But at least immediately, I would say Evers is probably the one that I would trust will win that battle.
3: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And uh, you do have Nick Evers already here on uh, campus. So, um, you know, uh, it's good for him because... You would like to, uh, you know, look at uh, the, a guy this talented coming in and getting to learn the offense. Of course, Dylan Gabriel is going to start. Dylan Gabriel already knows the offense, the Jeff Levy offense. But uh, Gabriel, uh, I, I think, is uh, is going to have a, a, a nice year. You know, uh, could he be the All Big Twelve quarterback? He certainly has a chance. We'll see how it works out. But for Nick Evers to get to come in early, I think it's a big deal as well. And the Sooners again starting officially with spring practice. On the 22nd of this month, we'll talk to Eric Bailey of the Tulsa World about that. I'm sure uh, Eric's on his will be on his way to Norman soon because you have the assistant coaches press conference happening today, which is going to be interesting, and it's I think that's happening around 2.30. We already got to hear from uh, Ted Roof and uh, Jeff Levy and their Zoom, obviously, they had with the media uh, not too long ago. We'll get to hear from the other assistants coming up uh, again today. And that should be very interesting. All right, thank you to the Allisons, Bob and Robert Allison, Allison Insurance, allisoninsurance.com. Give them a call, 405-745-2968. Thank you, Bob and Robert Allison, for sponsoring again our second hour today. We're coming back, Eric Bailey, Sooner Football, Sooner Hoops. We'll go to the text line. All that happening next hour here on The Ref. Okay, welcome back. It is hour number three, Chris Plank. The Plank Show with uh, Plank and Josh Helmer will be here in about 55 minutes. Plank uh, always has uh, K.J. Kendler on once a week, and they're going to be promoting the big matchup between number one Michigan and the Sooner Women, number two in the country. At the LNC, coming up again on Friday night at 745. Uh, so, should be a great crowd out there. So, that's where Plank is going to be this afternoon. That's why we switched shifts today. And uh, it feels kind of weird. I haven't done, you know, we used to do a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago, but four hours of radio every morning. And now, you know, the last couple of years I've been doing two hours of radio, which feels kind of like a microwave uh, broadcast like you know you're microwaving a lean cuisine or something and now we're serving the full course meal today I was a little bit hesitant can my voice make it am I am I too old to do this now <laughs> I don't know I had, I had to bring in an extra energy drink and all of that stuff so but feeling good and uh, Plank always does such a great job you know and one of the things somebody asked me the other day Steelman why do you like the ref so much well uh, because I like the ownership and I like the people and it's true now. I think about it. I've been doing this for 40 years, and I think I've worked for about every organization. Uh, and a lot of it, you know, certainly things changed, mainly with, with a couple organizations for a long time. But everything changed during the pandemic, and I was kind of a little bit of the of the uh, take a pay cut or, you know, kind of to stay on. And I decided I was going to bet on myself. And nothing against the, the folks at, uh, at at Tyler. Love those uh, love the people over there they're awesome I certainly understood what was going on there but I'm thinking about all the people that I've had a chance to work with now during this long old career that I'm on and that's why I I always had a lot of respect for T. Rowe and you know T. Rowe was at Channel 9 he would invite me to come on as a guest here and there you know that kind of stuff and um you know, um I uh, you know, I, I knew the minute that OU hired him to do play by play that it was gonna be a really good choice. Some people kinda thought, Man, Toby he's awfully young. What you Toby Toby, you could tell right from the start, even when he was uh at, you know, SNU uh working over there, that Toby got it, you know. Um uh, just one of those guys that you knew, he's he's going to be really good. Don't worry about it. He's going to be really good, and uh, he's become a fan favorite. No doubt, Plank, I think, does an unbelievable job. Uh, Tyler, I've seen, you know, Tyler, uh, we're we're both big golfers out at Cobblestone Creek. I've seen him out there a couple times. Uh, Tyler works like crazy. I, I knew of you a little bit, uh, but I didn't know a lot. And when I came over here, ownership, Casey and Brian said, uh, we want to pair you with Parker Thune. I said, all right, yeah, I've seen a little bit of his stuff. Don't know him. He's obviously younger and I'm I'm on my way to the rest home, but that sounds good. He goes, well, Toby <laughs> said he's going to be a star. And I said, but that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. If T-Row vouches for him, we're good. So now I love uh, the folks here are really cool. Uh, I've been super blessed, very fortunate in my career. Got a lot of breaks, been very lucky. I, I've worked hard. I, you know, I'm, I've got a pretty good work ethic, I think, uh, and I love sports and I love being, you know, on the radio, but I'm, I'm very fortunate now to have worked with a lot of people, you know, and some people may think, well, I'm, I'm maybe I'm the guy at the end of my career that's moving from team to team, but I like the ownership ring here. Ring chasing. Yeah, huh? and then ring chasing, but I like the ownership here. I know the kind of uh, reputation that Randy LaFoon had around here, uh, which was awesome, and I had known Casey Vineyard uh, for a while, uh, going back, early radio days. And uh, uh, just this was
0: the place for me, and I, I love it here. You know what I really like about it? So you – hang on, hang on. Go ahead. you feel like you're Brent Venables in this situation? You've uh, been yeah, around I the block, not, no. and now
3: this is – See, Brent's the man. I'm not the man. I'm just playing out, man. I'm just trying to get to Social Security age here. But I'm putting in the effort every day. I've always told people, man, you put in a great effort every day – Get there early and do the work. That things will work out for you in most situations. But now, Brent's the man, and you know, I, I just feel like
0: I'm a I'm a contributor. Here. Okay, so yeah. now here's what we got to do. We have to uh, we have to decide which member of the OU coaching staff. <laughs> Each member of I'm our line I'm well, Ted I, Roof man I'm Ted Roof I'm pretty obviously Miguel Chavez yes, in you that are. conversation Yeah,
3: yeah, that's a good question. I I will I'll put Ted, my Ted Roof is a good one for Ted you Ted Roof has like, been around he's yeah, he, respected he's moved around a little bit but he knows the game he knows what's going on you know I haven't lost my mind yet hopefully that won't happen but uh you know we we're all doing I, I kind of feel like a lot of us are doing things we never expected to be doing because of the pandemic, right? Legit. I, you know, um, I I didn't think I'd be working two jobs, but I am. And basically, you know, I consider them both two full-time jobs based on the prep I do for both. Because I I like, I'm an over-prepared guy. I've always thought, why wouldn't you be over-prepared? You should be. But I love it here. I'm also doing the streaming show uh, thanks to my friends at Riverwind. They jumped on board as a sponsor there. Justin, shout out. Love you guys. Be over there later today. And I'm very fortunate in that respect. But I'm, I'm just having a good time, man. I love uh, I love the camaraderie here. One of the things, Parker, that I like here is when I was doing Strictly Mornings and when I was working in Tulsa, I was doing that from home. So, And mm-hmm. I, I liked the people there. They were great, too. Uh, one of the toughest calls I ever had to make was to Kevin Ward uh, to tell him that I was, I was going to be taking this job because I have a great respect for Kevin. But at the same time, uh, you know, in the mornings, it was kind of like I was loner guy. I would go into the studio. I would get in like when I was doing morning radio, we'd go on at 530. I'd get in like 330, go cut my audio, uh, write down the segments I wanted to talk about. But there was hardly nobody there. Maybe another morning show or something, and they were doing their thing. This reminds me of the old days man when I first started because you can come out and shoot the you know what with uh, TJ or you know Drake or Tyler or Mark any of the guys we got a Perry a bunch of good guys here and I enjoyed that because I hadn't been able to do that in forever you know and I'm usually when I'm when I get to work I'm pretty much locked in on what I want to do but if I get some extra time it's really cool to just sit out there and tell the old stories again. You know what I'm saying. So anyway,
0: okay. So you're Ted Roof. Mm-hmm. You're Miguel Chavez. I got Chavez. We're gonna say Toby is Cale Gundy, program guy. He is, but I mean, the,
3: the who are the who's the who's Brent then? I mean, uh, the, Brent. I feel like Casey we have to Brian? assign uh, we yeah. have to
0: assign Casey and Brian collectively to Brent. So. Okay. Uh, so who's Jeff Lebby? Mm, mm, Good question. We see. We got to do this the other way. We gotta talk about okay, which personality fits which coach, rather than mm-hmm. which coach fits which personality. Because we're not gonna, we have what eight on air talent here, and we have eleven coaches on staff. So there'll be some that we don't assign. But who's the director of
3: operations again? Uh, Thad, uh, turnip, Thad seed. turnip Seed. Who's Turnip Seed? Maybe I should be no, Turnip it's, seed. The TJ is Turnip seed. TJ. Uh, I don't the, know. If TJ.
0: The... I don't know if TJ
3: wants to be a Turnip Seed. Oh, why not? Now I don't know. It's it's a little close to Hayseed. Maybe. I don't know. That's a great name, though. Man, he's so well-respected, too. But I've always thought Thad Turnipseed would have been a great character in a children's book. You could have written a series about Thad Turnipseed uh, with a great children's book, right? Don't you think?
0: Toby's the children's book guy. He should do that. <laughs> That's right. The Adventures of Thad <laughs> Turnipseed with T-Row. <laughs> okay, we're going we're gonna to say Josh Helmer is Joe John Finley. Mm-hmm. Because Joe John Finley, over the course of his coaching career, has done a little bit of everything.
3: I'll Josh Helmer this. is yeah. that guy.
0: Josh. He
3: is- uh, Josh works his tail off, and the most surprising thing here, because I didn't know a lot about Josh. I knew Joey, you know, from afar. You know, some of the stuff that he's done. Never actually met the guy, but you know, respected him. Uh, I'd heard a little bit, you know, and seen Josh some, but I hadn't heard a lot of Josh, uh, you know, because you're doing other things, but. The thing that has surprised me most here is how good Josh is. Uh, like I said, and I just did – I guess I didn't listen enough, but he's really good, man. He he does a great job, and he works really hard. So,
0: anyway. We're going to say Plank is Todd Bates. Invaluable member of the staff. Always working. Literally always working. Does I don't Plank know how Plank sleep? does
3: it, man. I really don't know how Chris Plank does it, man. Uh for his voice to hold up like that, and the energy he has at all times, it, you don't hear Chris Plank dragging, right? Like he doesn't come in and go, like man, you know. And the dude, I think he he may log more radio hours than anybody in America. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility uh, at no, all. I, <laughs> the guy's amazing and uh you know it's a, because sometimes plank gets out of here so fast i'm like man these headphones are jumbled up oh it's plank because he's got a jet out of here he's like he's like the uh, roadrunner in the cartoon the minute he's off woo, he's off to another job you know but he's he's a solid pro but no um I, I i love it here and i'm very fortunate to be here we've had a good time parker i you know we, uh, I think we had pretty good chemistry almost right away. I mean, it's not going to happen right away, but I feel like I know where you're headed. I think you know where I'm, uh, you know, we tend to, tend to stay on uh, the uh, the clock as well, which is always good. I, that's the one thing that has always bothered me in radio is long segments when you come back and you you only have like two minutes and then you have to take it to break again. Yeah. That, so, and I don't think we we hardly do that at all, which, you know, I don't know if the listeners notice that, but anyway. Okay.
0: Teddy is DeMarco Murray. He's yeah. been around the block. Oh, yeah. Wore the crimson and cream. Star. He's, still he's in not shape. the most outspoken member of the team, but when he does speak, you listen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt.
3: Um, I'm trying to think who's the Schmitty of the staff? Oh, the Schmitty? I, mm. I don't think we, I don't, have, do a we have a here.
0: Schmitty here. Yeah, we, we need to get tougher. We need to find us a Schmitty. Well, I mean, Teddy could be Schmitty and uh,
3: DeMarco, right? Because if there's anybody, I mean, Teddy still looks like he's in he's in really good shape right now. I mean, right? I mean, he. I, I would see Teddy at the gym every now and then when I had never met Teddy before. You know, I'd kind of covered, but never actually interviewed him or talked to him. And uh, Teddy, you know, I was over there benching, you know, 40 pounds or whatever like Pee Wee Herman. Actually, I got up where I was pretty decent. <laughs> I, I'm, I was in pretty good shape for a while, but I'd see Teddy in the gym, and I, Teddy always had that serious look. So I'm saying, I don't want to talk to him because he looks like he's really locked
0: in, and Teddy's one of the nicest guys you'll meet. Last one. Tyler, we're going to say, is Bill beedenbo because that man just does his job, and he is excellent at it. Tyler, uh, I love talking radio with
3: him, and he he's very in tune with what's popular now. I'm not saying that that's how he totally structures a show, but he listens to everything, learns a lot. He's really good, and uh, he cares a lot. That's what I like around. It. The other thing that I really like about this place, and man, we're just I, I didn't expect this to be gushing about the job uh, out you know segment, but. Um, there are no big egos here that dominate things. And that's the thing that I'd never liked working in a situation where there's one person, uh, and I'm not saying, I'm not th- saying any names or anything, but one person that you may feel like is more about themselves than the overall station, uh, whether it's TV or radio, I've never liked that. And here, look, we're all human. We're all, we make mistakes and everything, obviously, but nobody's here walking around with some gigantic ego. And that is really a cool situation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our sponsor for hour number three here on The Plank Show, slash Steel Man and Thune at 11 a.m. Roof Tech. Brought to you by the good people at Rooftech of Oklahoma, locally owned and operated for 30 years. called Josh Tucker at Rooftech for all your roofing needs. The number, 405-703-4245. They guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. All right, let's come back, talk Sooner Football with Eric Bailey up next. All right, we are back. Good to have you with us. Steelman and Thune in uh, for... The Plank Show, for now, the Plank Show will be uh, today at noon, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Which trio do you like better, Jack Bruce, Ginger Baker, Eric Clapton, or Geddy Lee, Alex Lifeson, Neil Peart?
0: Ooh, I gotta go with Rush. Yeah, I'll go with Rush, too. Those guys are just like, in terms of sheer musical talent, I think we had this conversation with Garen a while back when we had Mm -hmm. him on the show. Yeah. but. Rush, like all told, might be the most musically talented trio of all time.
3: You know, I, I think if you put Ginger Baker's one of the greatest drummers of all time, but I would still go with Neil and uh, Clapton versus Lifeson, I would go slight edge Clapton. But to me, the bigger edge is Getty Lee over Jack Bruce. A victory for Rush. There you go. Eric Bailey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have billed Eric, and uh, we still believe that he is uh, number one in the uh, rankings nicest oklahoma media member uh he's also an excellent writer and i gotta um ask you eric what he man it was kind of uh you may have known because you've known jason forever and you guys are you know running around the same circle but um uh, jason kersey leaving the athletics going to go after a law degree and man, great writer great guy and uh we certainly wish him the best
6: you know jason is one of my best friends i will say that and uh I remember uh, last, before the football season, uh, during fall camp, he told me he was uh, getting ready to take his LSAT just to to prepare and see if he could get admitted to law school, and he was nervous. And, you know, I told him, just do what you do. And uh, he called me right away when he found his results that he had passed. And uh, so all football season I've known, and we've talked about it over and over, how, you know, this was going to be it. And Jason's such a good friend. I mean, we started the beat in 2012 together have countless stories. Some we can talk about on the air. Some we can't. <laughs> but it, it, the, the road trip—I want to miss the road trips, the camaraderie, the before the game uh, press box conversations. I'll miss a lot with Jason. But you know what? He's going to. How many people can say they had a profession where they were a sports writer for a major college football program for ten years, and then going to, to law yeah. and be a lawyer? So he's he's picking his picking his shot. So I'm I'm proud of him and just
3: wish him the best. Yeah, and you know, you guys on that beat, uh, you and Jason and Ryan Aber and Eddie, all you you guys had a very you know Bob Przvillo very special camaraderie. It seemed like you guys all got along and liked to hang out on the on the yes. road.
6: We do. We can. Com- you know, we compete a lot. Don't don't get us wrong. We always want to be each other on stories, but. You know, we both all understand that you know we all have families, and you know there's more to life than just work. It's friendships, and in fact, you know, uh, back in January, Ryan and his wife and me and my wife went to see Oklahoma together. I mean, just to go see a play. Uh, You just build these friendships with this beat. I mean, across the board, you know, you name some of the big names, but it's everybody in that room. It's fun being in the room with Parker and John Hoover and. Uh, you know, everybody. So it, it, it's a lot of fun to be in that room and to get to know these people. It's more fun when you get to know them outside of what the job is. That's the best part of it.
0: And speaking of being in that room, Eric, we're going to be in that room <laughs> later today with eight of the Oklahoma assistant football coaches, some of whom have not spoken to the media since they rejoined the staff or joined the staff for the first time uh, in some cases here at Oklahoma. So uh, what are you looking forward to the most about the conversations that we're going to have with the likes of Brandon Hall, Jay Valai, Todd Bates et al. this afternoon?
6: I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Parker. I really am. In fact, I'm you, you guys are the last thing I'm doing. i got to go get gas and then start driving to Norman from Tulsa. So uh, I'm getting ready to do that. But I'm looking forward to, you know, the, the, the key thing about this is just putting a name with a face and letting him see us, too. That's the key, too. These, these coaches, these new coaches, they don't know who we are, and they finally get to see us face-to-face. It looks like we're going back to normalcy a little bit with these interviews, one-on-ones and such. Uh, I'm anxious for that and just anxious to get to know these coaches. I, you know, why, wh- what, did, what did Brent Venables ask you or tell you when he was recruiting you to coach at Oklahoma? What was his message? And I'd, I'd love to hear those answers those, from those coaches. And uh, also the potential. I mean, it, it's, this is rebuilding for them in a way. Oklahoma doesn't really rebuild much, but these, these, uh, these coaches coming from Clemson, they understand they want to get Oklahoma over the top to the next level, and uh, I'm just curious what they see in terms of Oklahoma's potential.
3: Eric Bailey with us, does a great job for the Tulsa World. Uh, joining us on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. Steelman and Thune here in for Chris Plank. And uh, the Plank Show will be up at noon today right here on The Ref. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, Parker and myself. It feels like this is the most anticipated spring football session in a long time. Are you, are you getting that feeling too?
6: I am. I think just the newness of it. And just seeing what Jeff Glubby is going to be able to do with this offense, with Dylan Gabriel, Nick Evers, you know, it, uh, it really helps that uh, Dylan Gabriel is on, on this roster because he understands what Jeff Lubby wants from that quarterback position now. It's not going to be a seamless transition for the other players because they're learning, and it's going to be Dylan Gabriel's responsibility to bring those guys along to be a coach on the field. But I think that having him on campus is really gives them a step up. Uh, just curious, too, just, you know, the coaches, the assistant coaches, they spent these last two months getting ready to install a new game plan on offense. Uh, how much work has gone into that? How many – how how different does Bill Biedenboe have to coach? Uh, Kel Gundy, uh, DeMarco Murray, What what? how much do their jobs change? Uh, I'm really curious about the offensive side of the ball and what they're going to do. And uh, I, I, but you're right. In terms of being most anticipated, I think so. And it's interesting they're they're starting behind spring break too. Uh, they're they're not going to take that break like years past where they go a week, take a break, and come back. They're going once they hit the ground. They're going to hit the ground running and move forward.
0: Now, Eric, uh, from the gridiron to the hardwood, Porter Moser and his boys left themselves very, very little wiggle room over the last month to a month and a half, but nonetheless – They're on a two-game winning streak right now, first winning streak in a couple of months for them. Uh, 16-14 and on the season, and they head into a pivotal matchup with Kansas State this weekend at Bramlage Coliseum, where, of course, they haven't won since 2012. You still think this team's alive? Porter Moser continues to reiterate it uh, in his post-game press conferences. Hey, don't count us out. We're still in this thing. Our guys are still kicking. But how realistic you think it is that this team makes a push for an NCAA tournament berth with that game against Kansas State on Saturday and then leading into Big 12 tournament play?
6: Well, you know what? They've kind of painted themselves in this corner because you look at all the games they could have won that really would have strengthened their resume. I mean, losing twice to Kansas in the final minute, either one of those, getting a win in either one of those games would have been huge. And then also losing to Texas in overtime. I mean, these are games that they could have won and really, really helped themselves out. And and they just these close losses, they, they piled up. And so I think they painted themselves into a corner. They have to go to Manhattan and win, which, just like you said, man, that, someone told me it's like the octagon, octagon of doom going up there because it's a tough place to play for some reason for Oklahoma. But if they somehow get that win, they avoid the uh, playing game for the Big Club Tournament. And then you give yourself an opportunity to probably play a two-seed. And if you, I, I think it's going to take winning a Manhattan, winning a game at the Big 12, Uh, I think you're in the conversation then. But there's still no guarantees, even with two straight, two more wins in the next two games. Eric, we appreciate your
3: time. Are are you stopping at Quick Trip before uh, you head this way?
6: (laughs) Is that the deal? That's the deal, getting gas at Quick Trip, getting a a QT quart of Pepsi, and then hitting the road.
3: Ah, (laughs) a a regular Pepsi, huh? And no snacks? Oh, oh
6: yeah, the, yeah, the the real stuff. Yeah, I don't deal with that Diet Pepsi. Everyone in my house drinks Diet Coke, diet drinks but me, man. There's no flavor there for me, I guess. But if you looked at me, you tell I need diet drinks. So, <laughs> so maybe I'll make the turn one
3: day. All right. So no snack for the road? Uh,
6: I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe a pretzel. The uh, Quick Trip pretzels are great. There you I know the Quick Trip's coming. I know Quick Trip's coming to Oklahoma City, and I, I know. Uh, On-Q is awesome, uh, but I'll always be a quick trip guy just because I grew up in Tulsa, and that's all I know. Yeah, Tulsa's
3: quick trip, and uh, here we've had 7-Eleven for years and years and years and years. Oh, yeah. now On-Q coming aboard, so everybody's got their convenience store. Hey, Eric, have a safe trip down here, and we'll talk to you
6: again soon. All right, guys, you guys have a good week, okay? Thanks a bunch.
0: Eric Bailey, Tulsa World. Really good dude, Eric. Man, it's it's kind of bizarre to me whenever the Quick Trip conversation comes up because, like, you know, I grew up in Nebraska, Mike, and up there, Quick Trip's just another convenience store. But, like, mm. in Oklahoma, it is a way of life. Yeah. It's particularly, like I said, up in the Tulsa area, it's really, really huge. I remember my first – my first few months of college, I would hear the buzz for Quick Trip, and I'd be like, Qu- "Quick, Quick Trip, like the gas station." Mm-hmm. And little did I know how big it is in the state of Oklahoma. He's huge, yeah, both man. literally and metaphorically.
3: I remember uh, there was a dude in there one time, and I, you know, how they had those little things that roll on the little grill, the roller grill, yeah, or whatever? yeah. yeah. And I guess this dude was, like, staking his claim because there was, like, one on there at one point. And he was, like, you know, Cro-Magnon man or something. He was protecting that thing because I walked by. I just walked by, and he goes, this one's mine. And I'm like, okay. And I was walking back to get, like, a Diet Coke or something, you know, and that was it. But I walked by, and he looked at me like he was in a, you know, in this stance. Like, he would fight for that, you know, pepperoni roll or whatever it was. (laughs) And like I said, I just walk by I'm like, This one's mine. Okay, dude. You uh, at wonder, it. What? Are you,
0: what? What are you going through to be that defensive about a pepperoni roll? I, I guess
3: it was the last one. He thought that was the last one that they were ever going to put out there, so he was waiting for it. All right, we're going to take a break right here. I've got an interesting. Speaking of, you know. I have done a really bad job of promoting the Air Comfort Solutions tax line today. My apologies. 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions tax line. I think we've got an interesting question. I love these random questions that come out of nowhere that don't necessarily involve sports. This one's a pretty good one, and uh, it involves food. We'll tell you about it when we get back. There you go, playing that devil music again, Blue Oyster Cult. Don't fear the reaper. Good song, though. There's Cowbell, too, of course. Lots of Cowbell. Uh, that was the music for that... Uh, what was the Steve Oh, The Stand. The TV version of The Stand. That was like the, the opening music for... I think it was an ABC production. Not a very good... Uh, Version of The Stand. Do you ever read The Stand? It's uh, it's quite thick. It's a really, like, thick book. No, I cannot say that I have. It's thicker
0: than Ken Kardashian's backside. That's um, an, uh, it, that's an interesting analogy. I'm just saying. Uh, interesting uh, comparison there. Uh,
3: you know, only in books, if they get too thick, and I, I ain't reading them, like War and Peace, old Tolstoy, that's too much reading right there. I go to the Notes version uh did you have to read the iliad and the odyssey uh,
0: i feel like yeah i did i don't remember much of them i figure you did because you're such a homer i see what you
3: did T- took uh, me a man, second but yeah, uh, I, I, you were I, looking I, at me like what did, oh okay yeah 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 my bad uh corny old man joke Okay, uh, Riverwind Casino, great things happening there. They are simply the best, and their promotions every month are out of this world great. And you've got a chance to win a brand-new Cadillac this month, a uh, 2022 Cadillac XT5 worth over $60,000. That is a promotion that starts March 13th, the $80,000 Land into Luxury promotion. Get out there Thursday and Sunday, play with your wild card, try and get extra entries for the drawing on March 26th, and uh, the first drawing for the $80,000 courtside cash promotional giveaway is happening on Friday. For all the Friday giveaways, you want to play with your wild card on Monday and Tuesday, all right? And then you can rack up five times the entries by getting some points in your wild card Monday and Tuesday, and then be there for the drawing on Friday night. $80,000 $80,000 in courtside cash they'll be given away in these drawings. Uh, they draw it, again, at three patrons' names every half hour, Friday from 6 to 11.30. Then they award two more grand prize winners just before midnight. And, again, I've always said, get out there on a Friday night, make it a date night, head out, have a great meal at Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant or at the River Buffet on steak night or the food court, the season's food court, a lot of great options there. A brand-new IHOP is over there at the food court. They also have the 15K St. Patrick's Payout happening uh, this month. 10K March Blackjack Madness event is happening. You've always got great promotion, plus not all the great electronic games and the casino games. Soon we will have another Beats and Bites summer concert series happening, which is going to be big time. And I'm hearing uh, some some interesting things about some big names. We had a Hall of Fame rock and roll band, Cheap Trick, out there last summer. That's a great time outdoors at Riverwind. Simply the best. Okay, so Ronnie is a guy who will uh, – sometimes he'll DM me, which th- that's fine. It's it's I mean, I'm not, Ronnie's been a listener for a long time. It's not creepy. It's 10% creepy. You could just send me a tweet, but if you want to DM me, that's fine. Uh, Ronnie, you know what you love to hear. So, anyway, uh, asking me, I'm talking to friends about the Rushmore of appetizers. Can you give us yours? The Mount Rushmore of appetizers. All right, so I was thinking about this because I got this about 20 minutes ago, and I'm thinking locally I'm going to go, well, I guess I put one franchise uh, restaurant appetizer in there. Uh, But my Rushmore, where did I put it? Okay, it's, uh, I'm going with the uh, Mont Queso. Okay. I'm going with the Southwest Egg Rolls at Interurban. If
0: you've never tried them, they're delish. I have never tried them, but I'll add them to the list. The
3: Giant Pretzel with Beer Cheese and Chips and Ales at Riverwind. Okay. And
0: then I'm going with the Bloomin' Onion at Outback. Ah, the Bloomin' Onion. The Bloomin' Onion, is a, it's a staple. You you, you kind of got to have that one on the Mount Rushmore.
3: Is there anything? Do you have anything that, you know, also, I tell you, Pub W with those little bitty uh, pigs in a blanket. Oh, those are great, too. <laughs> those are great. Let's. I, if I'm going all local, I'll go Pub W with the uh, little pigs in a blanket, too. With
0: mustard, mm-hmm, I reckon... My favorite queso is Velvet. Have you been to Velvet Taco? I have not yet. I need to go over. Worth there. the trip. Worth the trip. I discovered it a few years back. I remember you were really fired Dallas. up. Oh you yeah, were really fired up when big it big time fired opened up. up because it was the fir- That's the for- first Oklahoma location they have at all, and it's ten minutes from where I live. So, yeah, I've uh, I've lost a lot of money to that establishment over the last few months.
3: The uh it's so there's no other appetizer though. Are you just look the go-to I think for just about everybody is chips and queso, chips and salsa, right? Oh yeah. I mean it has to be. I mean, how many times do you go to a great Mexican restaurant and uh Shay's dad bless his heart? I used who passed away. It's been uh almost six months? No, not quite maybe. I'm trying to think. Anyway, Carl, great guy, man. Love playing golf with him, great father-in-law. But he loved him some Mexican food, man. He loved to go to El Chico in the mall. And then he discovered what he called Tara Tamara. (laughs) (laughs) Let's head over to Tara Tamara.
0: And he loved that place, too. And that was Baker's Place, right? Yes, it was. For the longest time. You know, queso is interesting, though, because you either get great queso or you get bad queso. There's really no such thing as average queso. It's very There's such thing as average salsa. Not so with queso.
3: Yeah, and sometimes, you know, if you go to a place, they're just going to give you the cheese sauce and the salsa. Uh-huh. Now, the problem I have, normally I get queso. We'll we'll get queso just about anywhere we go. Uh, but if they're just going to give you the cheap sh- cheese sauce, make sure it's hot at least.
0: Don't give me the lukewarm cold cheese sauce. If I really, if I go that route. Yeah, just at that point sh- it's just like, okay, am I at a concession stand?
3: Yes, exactly. It should be served hot. You know what I'm saying? But uh, that would be local. If I'm throwing in local, Mont Queso, Pub W, Pigs in a Blanket, uh, the Southwest Egg Rolls at Interurban, and the Giant Pretzel at Chips and Ales with the beer cheese, which is really good. Do you always get an appetizer whenever you eat somewhere? Not
0: always, uh, it kind of depends on what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to a Mexican restaurant, of course I'm going to get chips and queso, right? But in any other circumstance, like, if there's an entree at a place that I'm really, really looking forward to, I stray away from appetizers just because my whole philosophy on it is, well, I want to I have as much room as possible for that entree, and I want that entree to hit different.
3: hmm well, you can make the uh, classic appetizer mistake, by the way. And if, you, if I'm leaving some out, let us know. 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions Tax Line. That's 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions Tax Line. Maybe I'm leaving one out. But, yeah, you can make the classic appetizer mistake and it overeat the appetizer, and then you get a, a really good meal delivered and you, like, eat half of it. So you got to be Very careful. Very careful. But I'm an instant gratification guy. The minute I get there, oh yeah. We sometimes I'll order two appetizers. Really? Yeah, you can I'm, stomach that. I'm I'm a glutton man. Like I said, I, the seven deadly sin that I always break is pure gluttony. And <laughs> uh, like I go to the movie, one thing that doesn't fill me up is like movie popcorn. So, dude, I will have like the entire. Paul Bunyan giant-sized bucket devoured by the time the trailers are just about to end. So I'll go back and refill it before the movie starts. Pretty sad, huh?
0: I've never been a big movie popcorn guy. Oh, it's the best. It's so
3: just greasy and bad for you. It's tremendous. Really good. I should have my own health clinic, shouldn't I? Steel Man Health. Not good. All right. Uh, you want to hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll take some suggestions before we get out of here. 405-651-3439.
0: What's your, uh, what's your Mount Rushmore of Little Debbie confections?
3: See, I'm more of a hostess guy. I play oh, in the, hostess? I'm playing okay. the hostess conference. I consider Little <laughs> Debbie group of five. Uh, so I'm going to go. Zingers? Uh, hostess, I'm going to go first with the Ding Dongs. Then I'm going to go with the Fruit Pies. Uh then I'm going to go with like the powdered sugar donuts and snowballs are out. I mean snowballs are the they're the Kansas of football in that conference. Really? yes I've never had good. a snowball. And I'm trying to think what I'm leaving at. Yet yeah, Hostess has the Zingers now, right? Or is that still is it little Debbie who's making the Zingers? I think it's Hostess. It is Hostess now. Uh Twinkie, a good solid
0: Twinkie. Doll, I'll put Twinkie for, but I I play in the Hostess league. I'll get a craving for a Twinkie every now and again. Like I, I have made such an effort over the last couple of years to get away from eating that type of stuff completely, mm-hmm. and it you know it's weird like you get to a certain point and you try to eat one of those after not eating one for however many months and it's just nauseating. You're like, how did I ever stomach this? But <laughs> I'm so every, bad. Every so
3: often, I mean that junk every morning. It's so bad.
0: Every so often, that uh, that Twinkie craving will come around.
3: So, anyway, YOLO, you only live once, man. Grab those Twinkies while you can. They say that the three things that will survive nuclear war are <laughs> Twinkies, Roaches, and Keith Richards. That's it. All right, one more segment to go. Stay with us here on The Ref. All right, we are back. One more segment in uh, the Plank Show taking over at noon today. Chris Plank, uh, Josh Helmer. Getting you ready uh, for the big uh, matchup between um, number one Michigan and number two Oklahoma tomorrow night at the LNC Women's Gymnastics Showdown 745. If you can't get there, it will be on ESPN2. KJ Kendler is really good on the radio when she comes on. You can re- see why she recruits so well. All right, uh, what was I going to ask you about before we? Well, get I don't know, here. Steely,
0: but y'all better talk some sports. This that's weekend. right. We I already am. we already got the what what what's going on? I thought this was a sports station text. Lighten up, Francis.
3: Enjoy life. Sports is very important, but queso yes. is too. Quesos appetizers are very important. Very important. Uh... So, anyway, uh, the Dylan Edwards situation. You said he's going to Arkansas this weekend?
0: Yes, which is kind of weird because it took everybody by surprise. I mean, I was told not even Dylan Edwards' head coach knew he was visiting Fayetteville. Until so, does that, that mean March 26th
3: for Dylan Edwards now? What are we, I, what are we thinking? I don't, I don't know. It kind of feels all up in the air at this point. So, I'm, what in the wide, wide
0: world of sports is it going on here? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe he saw Richard Young's name on that visitor list and decided, eh? Might want <laughs> to loop back around here. Hmm. March 5th might not be my day.
3: But uh, Dylan Edwards is like a chess piece guy, though, right? You can move him around and every day.
0: Yes, he's like...
3: <laughs> Tell Sam what, Pittman you, chess- to lighten up there at Arkansas, man. Quit doing such a good job.
0: Well, and that's the thing, is that I think it's very, very intriguing that Sam Pittman is now making a push for Dylan Edwards because a couple of things to note. One, Dylan Edwards is very close with four star quarterback Avery Johnson, who's a native of Mays, Kansas, and is Arkansas's top quarterback target in the 2023 class. So you get Dylan oh, okay. Edwards, there it helps your chances with Avery Johnson. Also, as we're all aware here, Mike, Oklahoma is preparing to move to the SEC. And as I've said many a time, I think that's going to lead to all the more intriguing regional recruiting battles between Arkansas and OU. And Sam Pittman already has a claim to recruiting supremacy over Oklahoma in that he was able to get a commitment from Luke Haas after Haas decommitted from Mm -hmm. OU. If he can beat Oklahoma out for a guy like Dylan Edwards, that gives Arkansas a lot of recruiting momentum even after Oklahoma joins the conference to be able to walk into those living rooms and say, hey, they might be Oklahoma, but guess what? We can offer you just as much, if not more, than they can. Which, look... Arkansas is not even close to the caliber of football program Oklahoma is. That's just – no one would have much of a dispute in that Mm. regard. But for Sam Pittman to be able to say these guys wanted to come to Arkansas instead of going to Oklahoma, here's why you should come to Arkansas instead of going to Oklahoma, that's a very important thing for a head coach who's trying to build a new culture in Fayetteville, Arkansas to have.
3: Hey, they may have won the Luke Haz battle. Uh remember Luke has was originally committed to Oklahoma. Now obviously it seems like a really solid commitment for Arkansas too. But by gosh, the Sooners won the Keith Jackson, Mark Hudson, Eric Mitchell recruiting battles back in the eighties. Keith Jackson, all time great. I mean, what a fantastic tight. Can you imagine Keith Jackson in today's uh offenses where I mean, Keith Jackson, basically great dude, Keith Jackson, by the way, and was a great interview. When, and he's still doing Arkansas color commentary, isn't he, Keith Jackson? I really? Think. I, is think I think he is. You have to go ahead and Google it up. Huh? Maybe he was the one recruiting Luke Cass. But he's a great dude, man. And he uh, he wasn't really the kind of guy that rocked the boat, but he eventually did go to Jim Donnan and request, I need to ball my hands a little bit more. Because every time he touched it, man, it turned to gold. The sideline catch at Nebraska – Uh, In Lincoln, and of course, the reverse in the game back in the 80s, uh, that matchup, Keith Jackson was special, man. And uh, right out of the state of Arkansas. Mark Hudson also scored in the Fumble Rooski in the Orange Bowl, state of Arkansas. Eric Mitchell, you know, wasn't Jamel Holloway, but he was a really good athlete.
0: And uh, that was a, man, There was some great. Kids from Arkansas. State of Arkansas hasn't really been kind to Oklahoma as of late. Who was the last real good Sooner football player to come out of Arkansas? Because they had M- Mike Woods. They had sort of Trey, Trey Norwood went to high school in Arkansas, but I believe he lived on the Oklahoma side of the border. So I don't know if he counts. Is he from Arkansas? Yeah. Uh Yeah. He ended up transferring to Louisiana Monroe, if I recall correctly. Those are the only two w- within the last five or six years, going back to the dawn of the Mule Shoe era. Those are the only two Arkansans Mm -hmm. that I can recall suiting up. There may be
3: others. Oklahomans who've gone there. Uh, Quinn Groby from Duncan was a big-time option quarterback, had a good career at Arkansas. Felix Jones from Tulsa. Uh, You know, Darren McFadden's old running mate back in the day. Darren McFadden was a little bit better, but Felix Jones was really good, man uh during his college days those were some good arkansas teams
0: air comfort solutions text line you may know the answer to this steely who was the running back from jacksonville arkansas
3: from jacksonville arkansas oh man i can't remember how far back we're going on that i'm trying to think it wasn't chet Winners, was it back in the day i i'd have to you running back from Jacksonville, Arkansas. We'll try and discover that by the time we get back on tomorrow. That's Somebody will have it on the text
0: line within yeah. seconds. I I'm trying to think
3: that Ch- Chet Winters maybe back in the day may have been from – I'm trying to remember. That one, I'm drawing a blank on it, but good question. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's been fun. You have the Plank Show coming up. We've switched shifts today. Plank show is on the way next. Everybody, have a great Thursday. Stay tuned for Chris and Josh Helmer here on The Ref.